Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thank God it's not tomorrow, because otherwise it'll be Friday the 13th, and we don't want that, so it's Thursday the 13th, which is so much easier. I feel, you know, if you are vaguely superstitious, it won't make any difference to this programme at all. Uh, still to come, the MS story from yesterday, which completely ruined my day. Completely ruined. I've never heard anything like it in my life. I shall be making an official complaint to uh, M&S. Mainly because, well, I'll tell you what, I'm probably coming over as a little bit petulant on this one, but I don't think it really matters. Uh, the oldest jigsaw in the world, we found. Calamity Ed is a bit of a numpty. Marmite, as you've just heard, disappearing from, uh, from Tesco's. Toyota have recalled 340,000 Priuses. Oh, my God. Uh, the former Tesco checkout worker jailed for a cash machine scam. What a piece of filth. And the dad maimed by a killer clown. They're back again, these killer clowns. They're out there. And uh, they're going to arrest them. The trouble is, people are still so stupid. They think if you go out dressed as a... Ge- oh! Oh! Oh, sorry, you're not wearing a mask. I thought you were wearing the mask today. God, that was a bit scary. Oh, the Australian producer just... I thought he was wearing a mask. Apparently that's the... F- I'm so sorry. Honestly, that frightened the life out of me. Oh, dear me. Nearly had one of me little... I've, I've seen it before, but not wearing that particular mask. Because you've got that, that scary... Woo! Kind of, you know... Aboriginal type thing going on from Ayers Rock, you know, and it's a bit scary. Woolaroo. I had a, had a quick. Oh yeah, I can spell. I can. I can do Woolaroo. I can do Woolaroo. And I can do Mooney Ponds. <laughs> Is there really a place called Mooney Ponds in Australia? That's quite no. Yeah, I'm sure we did. I don't think I was there. Anyway, and um, so I had a look in his wallet. And to be honest, with you, I opened the wallet and I was momentarily dazzled. Thank you. By um, by the moths. Coming out of it. I don't think actually any of... And the, and the Queen blinked on the £5 note he's got in there. And I thought, well, she's not seen the light of day for, for any time soon, has she really? And, uh, and I was sort of thinking to myself, because yeah, I love going through people's wallets. I love going through people's wallets. I've got a thing about it. I don't mind people going through... Uh, sorry, let's just sign in here. I don't mind people going through my, my wallet. It doesn't bother me in the slightest, because it's always marginally more entertaining than theirs. But here's one. It's a little thin... Old, cheap bit of cowhide, I think, which he managed to find somewhere probably on eBay. And uh, I didn't actually see any money in there, but I did see his Western Australian driving licence. The very idea that they actually allow people to drive in Western Australia is almost laughable. I mean, seriously. What do I have in my purse? You see, that's what the, that's what the people in Australia call us over here. What have you got in your purse? What have I got? I'll tell you what I've got in my purse. I'll tell you what I've got in my purse. Wait a minute. Let me just wrestle it out of my... Uh, just switch off the security tag that's on it, and um, there you go. That's that. That's my wallet. Okay, which looks, you know, you like that? You like this bit in here? Okay, this is this is this side of it. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> I just I just showed him some money. He gets very excited about money. But the one thing I'm collecting at the moment, I'm collecting these new fives. <laughs> I sort of spread it out because it makes it look like an Australian game show, doesn't it? Can I make it... I could throw it all up in the air, but no, I don't do that because I have to put it all... I'm a bit... I'm OCD. Everything's got to be facing the right way. So when it comes out of the bank machine, it can take me five minutes to resort notes. I know, have you ever seen anybody... I mean, just so ridiculous, isn't it? But I, I'm saving these, these fivers, and I've got five of them at the moment because I like them. And every time I get one, I keep it. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give it away to anybody. And I nearly wrestled one out of somebody's hand the other day. <laughs> Somebody said, "Oh, I've got one of these five. I said, "Oh, have you?" I said, "I'll, I'll buy it from you. I'll give you four pounds thirty. But uh, and apart from that, I've just got uh, some cards in the wallet, uh, a 
credit card and a debit card, and that's it. I don't have store cards. I don't do store cards. I knew you'd be intrigued with my wallet. You'll be looking at me with more interest now, won't you? So anyway, yesterday, here we go. I must tell you this story because this is, this is really bizarre. I shop in Marks and Spencers. It's no secret to anybody who listens to this programme that we've got a Waitrose, a Marks and Spencers. We had a Morrison's. That's gone. We've got a little Tesco Metro and we've got a couple of other big supermarkets around there. But I tend to shop in Marks and Spencers because I quite like it. There are other supermarkets available. And I go in there. I don't possess one of their sparkle cards or anything else. So yesterday I go in, as I do every day. There is rarely a day goes by where I do not go into Marks and Spencers, either to pick up some water, some milk, uh, you know, tea or whatever. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever it happens to be. So yesterday I go in there and there's, a, and, um, and there's a queue of us. And if there's a queue of people and there's only two people working on the till, they're supposed to ring the bell. And go, ring, ring. And that tells other staff in there, look, there's a queue of people standing here with money in their hands. Because some people go, oh, I'm not going to queue up for that. And they, they disappear. So anyway, so this, uh, this sort of bloke appears. I've never seen him before. And uh, so I happen to get him. And he's wearing a Marks and Spencer's tie, which I've never seen before. And he's got his name, but I can't quite, quite read it. And uh, so this is about, what time would this have been? About, probably about half past 12, something like that. So it'll be on their, on their, their video cameras. And, um, and so I said, oh, I'll have two 10p bags. Uh, you know, because I buy two ten, and because I had quite a bit of stuff. So he opens the ten p bags. Now, normally when you go into Marks and Spencers, I'll say to you know any of the the ladies there, lots who know me, they go bag. I go yes, and I always have a ten p bag. If I don't have that, I'll have two fives or something like that. And they scan it, put it in the bag, scan it, put it in the bag, scan it, put it in the bag. That's how it works. Then I give them the money, and I then go away, and they say you know have a nice day and all the rest of it. So so this bloke. I said, I'll have two 10p bags. So he puts, he opens them and he puts them on the, on the conveyor belt thing. And I'm sort of standing there and he takes stuff out. And I thought he's taking stuff out so that he can get the heavy stuff at the bottom to put that at the bottom of the bag. No, he stacks up on his till my entire shopping basket. And so he goes, that's £26 or whatever it happened to be. So I give him the £26. And so he stands there looking at me. So you've got... Two open bags and all my shopping piled up on the till. So I said, are you not supposed to put it in the bags? Thinking, perhaps he's a bit simple. Perhaps he's not the full ticket. Perhaps he's not the full shilling. The lights are on, but nobody's home. I've never heard of people not putting the stuff in the bags before. Perhaps it doesn't happen in your one. In our one, it happens all the time. I've very rarely seen anybody. Unless you're putting it into your own bag and you've got a shopping trolley, in which case they hand it to you, you put it in there. But if it's bag that you just bought from there, they normally fill it up. Everybody. Everybody in there, I've never had anything any differently in all the years I've been going there, since it opened. So he goes, um, he said something about, it's, it, it's not, in my, not in my remit, or he said it's not in the job description. What? Not in the job description? So I, I, I said, I thought it's called customer service. I've obviously got the wrong end of the stick in Marks and Spencers. I thought they were offering customer service. That's why I go there. I go there for customer service was precious little on offer the other day. And so I'm sort of... And so he says, he says, you have to ask if you want somebody to put the stuff in your bag. So I said to the woman next door, who served me a million and one times, I said, is this new sort of Marks and Spencer's policy? And so she sort of... Mm, nothing at all, really. And, and I thought, perhaps they've got... Obviously, I've missed a sign somewhere on the till saying, you know, if you can't pack your bag, we'll do it for you. But there was no such sign. There was no such nothing. And he sa- so I said, but everybody packs the bag. He said, I'm not. Then he came up with the classic line, I'm not psychic. I'm not. 
I thought, I am a customer here, aren't I? I thought I was an M&S customer. I really thought I was. Obviously, yesterday I was relegated to the bit of stuff that he obviously scrapes off his shoe. He's, he claimed he'd worked for Marks & Spencer's for 14 years. I said, well, you need to get some customer service skills going, really. I said, you don't really have any, do you? And then he did the ultimate thing, which is sort of like a bit of a put-down line. He sort of, he put it grudgingly into the bags and then, and then just sort of stood back. He went, have a nice day. I said, I always have a nice day. I said, but I suspect yours is going to get a lot worse. And believe you me, it bloody well is. What disgraceful service for Marks and Spencers. So I tweeted it. Never been so shocked. I shop there every day. I spend, I would think, thousands in the year in Marks and Spencers. I'm a Marks and Spencers customer, top to toe, including those bits. So, you know, to have some arrogant little person behind the till, who can't pack a bag because I'm supposed to say, can you pack the bag? I've never even heard of that before. Never heard of it. But uh, if it's in Marks and Spencer's remit, I'd love to see it. I'd love to find out if Marks and Spencer's new raison d'etre is, uh, if you want your bags packed, bloody well ask for it because we're not touching it. Otherwise, everybody else seems to manage it except him. So that was my Marks and Spencer's story from yesterday. So I tweeted it and somebody said the service is definitely getting worse. Well, I don't think so. He was the first one, but he was obviously... I mean, when he said he'd worked there for 14 years, I thought he must have joined when he was 12. Seriously, I mean, he, he didn't look quite old enough to actually be meeting people uh, of the general public because he had no skills whatsoever. So if I see him in there today, I'm going to find his name out. And I'm also going to find out whether or not he just packs people's bags automatically or whether or not he was being a bit stupid. So we shall find out later on today. There will be, there will be a follow-up to this one, I promise you. There really will be a, a follow-up to it. Uh, read the wallet. Whose picture have you got tucked in the wallet? Oh, I don't have pictures in my wallet. There's people, have, people have pictures in their wallet. No, I haven't got any photos in my wallet at all. Why would you have a picture of somebody in your wallet? That's a bit naff, isn't it? To have a, pi- a picture of what? A pic- oh, oh, sort of a loved one or something like that. Well, I've got a picture of myself, haven't I? I've got loads of pictures of myself. And, uh, yes, and I've got loads of pictures of the Queen in my wallet. I'm the only person who, who sort of seriously has got a thing about cash. Other people probably put it on credit card and stuff like that. Not me. I'm a cash person. That's why it always makes me laugh. Whenever I go out to a, a restaurant, when, when you go, can I have the bill? And they come over and they always bring at the same time the, uh, the little credit card machine. And it comes as a bit of a shock when I pay cash because I'm just one of those sort of people, actually. And uh, the clown frenzy will affect the trade of clowns who make a living from it. I don't think so, actually. I don't think so. I think what we'll do, once we've seen a few people uh, find very heavily, and uh, we've kicked out this bloke from Brunel University because he was, he's just a danger to himself, mentally. Mentally, I think. You know, you don't, don't go around with a scary clown mask on and a chainsaw. And it's particularly dim and stupid. And he was particularly dim and stupid. I think he's on the front page of the... Yeah, he's, oh no, he's not on the front page of the Star, is he? He was on the front page, I'm sure, one of the, uh, the papers, there was a picture of him. And I remember thinking then, you look a bit dim, don't you? In fact, you really shouldn't be allowed to any university at all, you're far too stupid. Andrew says, I thought the only thing driven in West- Western Australia was cattle. Have they got tarmac roads? No, no, it'd be a dirt track. Western Australia is, I think, there's, I think there is one straight road through Western Australia. I don't think there's, that's what I've seen on these, these road trip things. But I, to be honest with you... Is he very grumpy? Oh, God, there's nothing worse. A temperamental Aussie, that's the last thing we need, isn't it? Everybody else being all nice and, you know, and woo, happy, happy, because it's Thursday, and give me a nice day, and grumpy old misery Michael. I mean, dear Lord. 
I know he's... Oh, oh, he comes back again. Here we go. Oh, we're going to have a bit of a tantrum again. It's like working with Will Young round here. It's terrible, isn't it, really? You're going now, are you? Nice to work with you. Not that I thought you did any work, actually. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, off, he's off to do his little... Good. Oh, that's nice. He's off to do his little radio show somewhere. Somebody will listen to it. Can't imagine who, but I'm sure somebody will. Uh, I was talking to my driver this morning, and he said, you don't take phone calls. I said, no. He said, and you just talk. I said, yeah, I just talk. And he couldn't quite get over this idea that that I just talk on the programme and I talk for three hours because that's what I do for a living. It's like if you're a juggler, you juggle. You know, if you drive a taxi for a living, you drive a taxi for a living. If you're on the radio and you do a show like this one on LBC, you talk. And if you talk and you get... To, I was trying to explain to him how it works because he's obviously been listening to LBC for quite a while and he remembered some of the previous presenters who'd been on and he was sort of mentioning various names. And I said, yes, I said, but bearing in mind that a station like LBC relies very much on the audience figures. The audience figures are the be-all and end They never used to be, because there was no competition. Now there's competition all over the place. Not admittedly for this station, or certainly not for this programme. There is no competition. There is nothing within living memory. But that's what it works on. It works on how many people you get in your audience. And the reason you have, we, we know that is because they do their surveys, and they have a system of doing it, and it's available to the public. You can actually find out what my audience figures are if you find the, the right website. And you can see, you know, why we've got the spike at 4am in the morning and why it will continue all the way through probably till 7 o'clock, I should imagine. But the, the interesting thing is that because we're commercial radio, you have to get the audience to get the advertisers. The advertisers aren't going to be interested in somebody whose audience is tiddling away. So consequently, I talk. And the more I talk and the bigger my audience gets, the more people want to advertise. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Somebody says, uh, re M and S, Steve, uh, it's their job to pack the bags. Don't worry, these people will be out of a job soon because of self-service checkouts. We don't have self-service checkouts in, uh, in Twickenham. But somebody says, uh, re them. I work for another well-known supermarket. The only people with a tie with their uniforms are management. Oh, he can't be. He's got no skills whatsoever, this bloke. I'll find out what his name is today. I'll put a picture up of him. I'll take a picture. That'll upset him. You know, messed with the wrong bloke here. We don't do jobs worths on this programme. Thank you very much indeed. I'm sorry, I'm not psychic. Just put the stuff in the bag, dear. OK, I'm a customer. Whichever way you look at it, I'm a customer. I'm spending money to keep you in ties. And quite clearly, I mean, he must have had the biggest chip on his shoulder. Perhaps somebody told him he was bloody useless at his job. I'm doing it now. Uh, I hope the Kim Kardashian robbers didn't hear about the amount of cash you've got in your wallet. <sighs> yeah, but is it genuine? Is it genuine money? Or is it just play money? I, I have got the fibres. I do like the fibres, actually. Uh, Richard on the Wirral. No, not just yet. It's finding the time, actually. It's finding the time to do these things, so I, mean, I will get round to uh, to doing it. I'm hoping before Christmas, but I wouldn't actually, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it at the moment, I'm afraid. Uh, so what's the truth about Will Young? All the papers, I mean, all he's done, he's just milked this for publicity, quite clearly the BBC. And whether, Now, you have to take all this with a pinch of salt, OK? Uh, you either believe that, he obviously went out the other day, and he did, uh, he did a photo call, walking around a field, looking a bit, uh, little, a little bit dejected, and... Um, He's sort of talking about, you know, a part of my brain is telling me I'm about to die. You freeze or run. At times I've been suicidal. We've had all of this. He's only on a dancing programme, for God's sake. You know, if he knew he was ill before he went on there, he's calling his anxiety hell. It seems that other people don't believe a word he says. It's a little bit difficult to, uh, to sort of believe anything, really, as to what is just sort of made up. What is sort of showbiz claptrap. You know, which this could be. He's talked about relationships. He's, he's, he's basically rubbish at relationships. 
you know, which I should imagine he would be. He must be a nightmare to live with. Nightmare. Uh, he's had breakdowns. Talks about his first moment in the limelight. It's basically me, 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 me. Let's talk about me, shall we? Because that's all he's interested in talking about. He must be the only person. I don't know if the son have done this on him. Wait a minute. His, his, his fee has been cut. The son... As I say, I mean, you never know if this is if this is true or if it isn't true. I don't know. Have said that his partner is furious, and they've also said he's a bad loser, branded a quitter by the bosses. Um, I don't think it was just over this Len thing. I think he'd been reading certain stuff online, which basically said he was useless and uh, and he couldn't dance. So he's gone out for this posed picture. Uh, he knew he wouldn't win the show. Partner livid over losing the slot. And then there's the riddle over the family rift. Now, this is where the son obviously start digging around a bit. And they said he may be in the middle of a family rift, his friends said yesterday. I don't know who his friends would be, actually. I, I mean, I really don't. Uh, he was the only contestant not to have his parents cheering in the audience. But it was unclear why Dad Robin, Mum Annabelle and Sister Emma had stayed away from the Strictly Studios. There was also nothing about the show on Annabelle's Facebook page, and neither she nor Robin would comment on Will's exit. A source said Will has been looking very down. He's a very temperamental character. That's called prima donna, I think. When they say somebody's temperamental, they go, get over yourself. But uh, it was odd that he was the only person not to have his family supporting him. It is odd, that, isn't it, really? But uh, uh, the source said he was anxious about stepping out to perform on Saturday because he may be troubled by his twin Rupert's ongoing battle with booze. Well, why would that... That wouldn't affect you. If my brother had a battle with the booze, that wouldn't stop me going out there dancing. I'd be saying, listen, come on, come to the show. You know, we'll have a small drink afterwards. So they've got a picture of him. And and you think, it's just all a bit drama queenish, isn't it? It's all a little bit, me, 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 me. I mean, at the end of the day, he's walked off a show. He's basically, as I said to you yesterday, I couldn't care less what he's suffering from. If he's got some sort of illness that maybe he's receiving medication for, or maybe he's not, then he shouldn't have put himself on the programme in the first place, knowing that something would happen. You know, that would be stupid. But, of course, he puts himself on there. Then we have the sort of the uh, the kind of the breakdown bit, and he sends an email to them saying, uh, I won't be coming back due to personal reasons. And the personal reasons are either because his brother's battling booze, which the papers are suggesting, or failing that, he just doesn't like losing anything, and he sees this as humiliating. And so he's coming to terms with the fact that nobody really gives a toss about him. But he's managed to make all the papers again, so I hope he's very happy with the publicity. It doesn't solve anything. doesn't make things any better. What he should really do is go, listen, I've thought about it, I'm coming back. They can go, OK, let's start again then, shall we? Let's, let's pander to you. But no, he'll sit at home watching it and he'll just get himself into a, into a dreadful sort of abyss for which there is no way out, which is, uh, which is a shame. Uh, I was turned down for M&S, told uh, not enough customer service experience, says, uh, says Sharon. Only 15 years airline experience. In the food hall, I was ignored as a cashier was arranging a night out with a passing colleague, uh, asked to see a manager, was told I was turned down. Not enough experience. Customer care, not, not quite as good as it was. Well, this was appalling. This really was not good enough. This is not what I expect from Marks & Spencer's. A friend of mine who works in radio uh, contacted Marks & Spencer's said, you need to sort this out, because this is really bad publicity. I don't want to be told by somebody, you know, you have to ask if you want your bags packed. Shouldn't he then say to me, if he had a modicum of intelligence, perhaps there was a brain in there, saying, would you, can you pack your bags or would you like me to pack them for you? He never said anything. The only conversation he had was nothing. Nothing. I'm not psychic. 
which I thought was, you know, I sort of walked out of there thinking, do you know, if I owned Marks and Spencers, you'd be walking down the road with a P45 or at least taken back and retrained on how to deal with customers. You know, the customer is king. The customer is always right. Not always, but you have to pretend. And if you can't do that, you're not fit for purpose and you shouldn't really be working for Marks and Spencers 14 years, honestly. Uh, Steve said, you're a good talker. I wonder if advertisers are worried you won't, st- you won't stop long enough to play the adverts. Oh, no, there's never any, uh, any hesitation on that one. I know where all the ad breaks occur. I can see where they're all coming up. I can tell you what the, uh, what the topic is on every single ad break because I have three ad breaks. On this programme. Well, I say I have three, ad, not three ad breaks. I have ad breaks every, every 12 minutes or so. What I have on this programme is I have three separate advertisements going out. So every time you hear something on the station you're listening to at the moment, you might be listening on AM, you get a separate advert from the people who are listening to me on FM and a separate advert from the people who are listening up the rest of the country. So I have... Th- I'm so ex- Sorry, the what? On DAB. So it's so exciting. I have three. I'm a, not all programmes have this. I'm quite unique in the way that I have three because I'm going out all over the place. And so I have three separate advertisements. But they all are exactly the same length. And I can tell you uh, what. Oh, Lord, that one's coming up again. And so it's all very interesting. And that's what I like about it. And that's why when, when the driver said to me this morning, he said, you never stop talking. I said, well, that would be silly. If you stop talking, you'd have dead air. And I've always got something to talk about. If it's an experience I've had during the daytime, if it's something I've seen on the television, if it's something I've read about in the paper, if it's something that annoys me, if it, it can be anything. It can be absolutely anything. I went out yesterday to try and buy some pants. And uh, see, we can talk about anything on this programme. It's, 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 it's so easy. So easy, not difficult. And, uh, and they didn't have my pants in Marks and Spencers. And I thought, perhaps I'll have to go to Kingston. But I didn't. Instead, I bought another coat. I don't know why I keep buying blooming coats. This is quite a big coat. It's sort of a big... I think it's going to be my winter coat. Sort of my winter coat. Well, that's, that's the whole idea behind it. Whether it works or not, I've got no idea. Uh, I will tell you about the £16,000 a year Tesco worker who had a £100,000 marriage because he's bent. He's as bent as a nine-bob note. He, uh, he was jailed for a cash machine scam. His name is Kisok Thavrajar. Thavrajar. Also had a stint as a packer in a factory. He stunned pal- pals with this lavish bash at a hotel in London's Posh Park Lane. Later, he admitted a single offence of skimming an ATM machine. You silly little girl's blouse. Instead of sent him off to prison. But, um, last night, a pal of the bride said the wedding was amazing. Kissock had paid for everything. You'll see how he'd thieved it. He'd thieved it. Perhaps the, the police need to uh, look a little bit at his crime earnings a little bit more closely. He was born in Sri Lanka. He had a Hindu ceremony. And afterwards, they sat on two thrones in this super-duper. I mean, it was very, very lavish. I think the centrepiece was a 17-tier cake, which cost £3,500. 400 guests uh, dined on vintage champagne and everything else. And so, but of course... He's a thief. He just is a Tesco worker on 16 grand a year. That's how bad it is. Still to come, the imam in the child sex case. He's gone on the run. He didn't even attend the end of his trial. Apparently, he was too ill. Oh, isn't that a shame? Too ill. Anyway, he's, uh, he's eloped, as they say, to Bangladesh. Police are going to be dragging him back again. He raped two girls. An imam. I know, you couldn't make it up, could you, really? One on a regular basis. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to five. How long should you continue a case? If you've got a, a grievance, how long should it, should it go on for? Well, in one particular case, it's gone on for six years. It's a cyclist story. We haven't had a good cyclist story for a little while, have we? 
this is a cyclist who broke his back, falling off an ornamental footbridge. OK. Uh, judges yesterday ruled no one was to blame for the accidental tumble and threw out the claim. Christopher Edwards was pushing his bike across the bridge in Sutton, in South London, when he fell four feet onto rocks. Mr Edwards, who was 64 at the time of the 2010 accident, complained the local council has not carried out adequate risk assessment and should have put barriers on the bridge. He told a High Court hearing in 2014 that he broke his back plunging from the mossy and slippy Victorian bridge and planned to sue the council in a multi-million pound payout. Anyway, Mr Edwards is now 71 He's in a wheelchair, and he said at the time, my life was changed forever on that day in a place which I expected to be safe. A senior judge ruled the bridge posed a foreseeable risk and that the local authority was 60% responsible for the accident. But the council appealed, saying they had no duty to warn of the obvious. Exactly. Slippery bridge with moss on. Kind of, you know, <laughs> come on. Uh, the Lord Justice McCombs, sitting at London's Court of Appeal, said he sympathised with Mr Edwards, but added, not every accident, even if it has serious consequences, has to be the fault of another. So six years. He's been pushing this, this claim for six years, and he's got nothing. Nothing at the end of it. And he's now in a wheelchair, and he's kind of stuck there. But this is, this is sort of like being aware, isn't it? I think that's how it works. You're supposed to be aware of things around you. So, you know, if you're walking down the street and you trip over a pavement because the stone has come loose, then the council could be sued for that. In fact, some people make a very good living out of falling over on a regular basis on council pavements. The reason they do that is the council have a care of duty to make sure that the pavements are safe for people to walk on. How many times have you tripped up? I've done it loads of times. But I never think, oh, I must go and sue. That isn't my sort of uh, thing at all. Uh, very good service at Cooper's, of course, as Paul will tell you. Up early again this morning. He'll be so glad <laughs> when next week comes around. I should imagine at the moment Paul's just about at the end of his tether, poor soul. It's a busy day, isn't it? Busy, busy day. Actually, I've got a busy day as well today. Well, I've got a, not really a busy day. I've got to talk to Ron Howard about uh, about a film which is called Inferno, which you must have heard about by now on LBC and seen all the adverts on the television. It's the, it's the third book in the series by Dan and the third film to star the same character played by Tom Hanks and uh, the third film that Ron Howard has directed. So they must... What if they ever get to the stage where they look at a book and go, I don't think it's really up to much, what can we do with it? Because I didn't think the book actually was, was, was that good. But the film was amazing. I thought the film was really good. Very clever. If, if you don't understand the series, uh, then you need to read one of them or watch maybe The Da Vinci Code. They're all standalones, but they're all things that this, this professor has got to do. And, uh, and this one's particularly clever because it's got lots of twists in it that you don't see coming. Seriously, you don't see coming. <laughs> I was so backward when I came to watching it, but I was, it was still good. So here is the uh, imam. He's a paedophile. He's a convicted paedophile. He's been convicted of abusing two young girls. His name is Hafiz Rahman. He's 58. He was unmasked by the sun. He's now jetted off to Bangladesh, the police believe, even though they had an all points out on all the uh, exit points from the UK to make sure he didn't get out of the country. So hours after he was convicted in his absence, uh, a judge had let him go home on bail after he claimed he fell ill. Uh, one of his victims said, I'm angry. He's run away like a guilty man. Well, he is guilty. He's been found guilty by the court and he'll come back because he's a paedophile and he'll serve his time in prison. I couldn't care less whether he's imam or he's a cleaner or he drives a bus. I'm not remotely interested. I'm only interested 
only interested in the fact that one of these girls who was abused at a mosque in Dudley in the West Midlands in the 80s, one was six when it started. Six years old. That's how much of a perv he is. But uh, they'd gone to him for religious tuition. He was nabbed after a victim told the son of his crimes in 2014. We traced him, notified the police, and he's now been found guilty uh, of it. But he's skipped the country. Well, they think he's skipped the country. They think he's skipped the country. He'll be delighted to know that he's now a wanted person in Bangladesh. Uh, Somebody, 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 somebody said, uh, terrible service from from one of the top shops. I bought a 50-inch... I'm assuming a television last year. The cashier closed the till, helped me carry the huge box to my car. Excellent service. But, well, I'm, you see, I wasn't even expecting that. I can quite easily carry my shopping out and I buy my carrier bags. It's just that I don't shop in Marks and Spencers to get shoddy service. I go there because I've expected a certain standard. And that's what I did not get yesterday. I don't expect to stand there having a discussion or an argument with somebody working the till. It just, it's just not, not right. I'm the customer. I'm always right, no matter what. Uh, 84850, Steve at uh, CJ says, re Will Young, the song I think I'd better leave right now, seems to have rubbed off on him. It's just, it's just a bit odd, isn't it? He's obviously got some sort of screws loose or something. That's why he doesn't, he doesn't have relationships. He can't form relationships with anybody. He's frightened of commitment. He doesn't do anything like that. And all he does is he's just so, so he starts doing it. He does all the pictures with the big smiles on his face. But basically underneath, he's probably thinking, well, I can't wait for this one to finish. So he's walked away with five grand as opposed to 25,000. I don't even know how long it runs, actually, that programme. But it's not bad money, is it? That's more than the Tesco worker got for a year. All they've got to do is at the end of... Does it end in December? Something like that. Just for Christmas. I mean, it's not exactly bad money, is it? 25 grand. I mean, I wouldn't do it. But there again, not because, you know, I don't need the money, but because I'm just not interested in pushing myself that far. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Steve, good for you making a stand with M&S. If more people stood up for themselves, companies would be forced to raise their standards. I'm currently fighting with Talk Talk. People are fighting with everybody, aren't they? They promised me, they've been providing me with half the promised broadband speed and now want to charge me 130 quid cancellation fee. They picked the wrong man. Like you, I'm making a stand. Yeah, I mean, I just think you have to, you have to highlight things because otherwise, how can companies improve? How can companies improve if you don't stand there and say, listen, this was the service I got yesterday? You know, there might be other people that, uh, that sort of have excellent service in it. I always get excellent service. But I've never had somebody piling... I thought it was a bit odd when he was piling all the food up. I thought, because he's obviously finding the heaviest items in the... But no, he was just, he was just being stupid. And he did it very successfully, I thought. Made himself look like a complete idiot. But don't worry, by the end of today, I'll have a name and everything else. And uh, we'll be taking it further. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Uh, on the subject of... Uh, M&S, Ollie says, I had to raise a complaint about five separate issues with M&S the other day. One involved the fact that no tills were open. Everybody was forced into the self-service tills at 10 o'clock. I called the head office, asked for the chief executive's office to so have a top-level team to look into it. They got everything sorted out brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, you have to draw attention to somebody. I refuse to be spoken to by anybody like that. Anybody. You know, it doesn't, I couldn't care less who it is, because if they talk to me like that, they probably do it to other people as well. Uh, on, the, uh, on the driving licence... Says Poppy Lady. I don't want anybody else looking at me when I'm trying to spend money. This is what, what pictures you carry in your wallet. I should have actually looked at the Aussie bloke. I wonder what photographs he's actually got in his wallet. Probably of himself, I should imagine. <laughs> Which I think is quite funny, actually. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. 
www.tesco.co.uk and uh, we'll put everything in actually. Tesco Express no longer packed my bag unless I paid for a carry bag. I always pay for a carry bag. I've only ever once in my entire life taken a bag into a shop and they were so taken aback. She went, you brought your own bag. I went, I know, rare, isn't it? Because I always buy bags. Always, always buy bags. And uh, 84850, another one here, which says... Um, Steve, some of these new £5 notes are worth about 50 quid, says James. Yeah, they've, they've, it's, they're only looking for the A's, the A1s, or the A01, or whatever it is. But uh, none of the ones I've got have got that. Believe you me. And they're worth a lot more than that. A lot more than that. Uh, when does the tree go up in Trafalgar Square, says Doreen? I think it goes up... Um, when did I go and cut it down? I'm trying to think when I went to cut it down. Because, you know, we went to Norway. We were very lucky uh, to be invited. To, I was lucky to be invited to go over there to help cut the tree down and uh, and see it in the forest. And uh, they had snow. We were knee-deep in snow. Knee-deep in snow. It was terrible. It was, abs- it was so cold. It was so, so cold. But they had sort of... I mean, you had to... They sort of set logs on fire so that you could keep warm. And you had to put your feet on them because, to be honest with you, my feet were like blocks of ice. And they gave us sort of hot coffee and stuff like that. It was all very pretty. It's terribly pretty. It's very traditional, Norway. Very, very traditional. It's very... You know, they've obviously been doing things for centuries. Start of December, I think, was when we went over there. And then the tree, once you've actually cut it down, then the tree comes back on, on a lorry uh, to this country and then they put it up in Trafalgar Square. I'm hoping this year, as indeed I hope every year, that the light... I've got better lights on my tree at home. The lights they put on the Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square are terrible. Terrible lights. They're not even, they're not even pretty. They're just naff and boring. You know, they need to go to Covent Garden. You want to see trees with lights on? Blimey. They've gone absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. And that's what I like. And there are a few trees up already. They've started putting the lights up, haven't they, in, uh, in Oxford Street. And, uh, and people will, uh, will, enjoy, will enjoy going to see them, which is very good. Uh, 84850, uh, Other stories in the papers for today. There's um, one's, um, Rod Little is talking about Charmy's select memory. They don't like Charmy Chakrabarty, do they? I've been proven right, actually. She lurches from one disaster to another. Obviously not as bright or as clever as she seems to think she is. She's got a few supporters, but they're kind of dwindling at the moment here. So he says, um, the Labour... This is Rod, Rod Little. Well, for, he's talking about clowns and everything else. And to be honest with you, I think these people should be thrown in... Pr- Let's have a special prison for clowns. Ha, 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 ha. And they can stand in there with buckets of water and do whatever they like. The Labour Party is completely opposed to grammar schools. Or at least it's opposed to you sending your kid to a selective school. The Shadow Attorney General, Shami Chakrabarty, uh, above sends her child to a selective private school costing £18,000 a year. The Shadow Brexit Secretary, Emily Thornbury, sends her kid to a partly selective school 14 miles from her home. And the Shadow Home Secretary, Diane, guess who I've had an affair with, Abbott, sends her son to a very, very posh private school because she didn't like the look of the, lo- like the, look of the local comprehensive do as I say, says Rod Little, not as I do. What a bunch of low-life hypocrites, yeah? They don't come any lower than Shami Chakrabarty. I mean, a woman, frankly, who obviously believes her own publicity. But uh, they're digging the knives in. You know, this woman, I mean, she, I think she got away with it for years. Seriously. I think she got away with it for years, and now all of a sudden they've realised she hasn't got the faintest idea what she's talking about half the time. No good sitting there in the House of Lords. She doesn't deserve to be in the House of Lords. Absolutely no Way. No way, shape or form. Uh, right, what else have we got? Oh, we've got uh, Nicole Kidman. I never liked Nicole Kidman. 
I always thought she was a very bad actress. But I'm told that um, she's actually quite a nice person. Uh, over my way, the other day, the police arrested a clown uh, brandishing a fake gun near an airport. I mean, I mean, <laughs> having seen the stories in the papers about the clowns, and the police having said that if you go out dressed up as a clown with any sort of fake weapon or a chainsaw, you're going to be arrested. And you still get the buffoon who goes out there... And um, he's been detained on suspicion of possession of an imitation firearm, taken into custody and quizzed. A clown's mask was recovered from the man's vehicle. And uh, armed officers from Heathrow's aviation policing unit stopped the car, say Scotland. I mean, is he really thick as a brick? Do you think there's a whole family of them? Do you think we're going to be seeing them turning up on the Jeremy Kyle show? So having read all the stories in the papers about people wearing clown's masks being arrested... Do you not maybe think you're a bit stupid to go out wearing a clown's mask? You know, the answer is, of course they are. Thick as a brick. Probably unemployed, I should imagine. Gen- and there'd be a reason for it. Because they're stupid. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to five. Well, sort of nearly. Maybe not. Maybe it could be. Maybe it isn't. Who cares? Why do I tell you? I don't know. I'm not particularly worried about it. I see there's a story about Jodie Marsh in the paper today. Uh, they say TV reality star. What, what reality star was it? She spent most of her time crying, didn't she, on Big Brother? And that was ages and ages ago, because somebody was taking the mickey out of her. And I can't remember who it was. It was some sort of... Was it Pete Burns or somebody was taking the mickey out of her? Anyway, whatever it was, I mean, she's a silly attention seeker. Anyway, it's all got a bit pear-shaped for poor old Jodie Marsh, whose life as a desperado began some years ago, and she's still trawling that weary old carcass around. She's, uh, she's sort of told us she's going to be lesbian, she's going to be bisexual, she's told us she's just going to be everything, and um, George Galloway, Michael Barrymore and Pete Burns, who they dubbed the Bitches of Eastwick. And uh, they say the Essex glamour girl, she was never booked for glamour shots at all, so there was nothing ever glamorous about Jodie Marsh. They say she's a topless model sad isn't it really that's her claim to fame and uh, anyway at one point she said she wailed on the tv uh, reality show i might as well kill myself and uh, somebody here who is this sarah best friend sarah blight said um uh, anyone who's met jody knows what you see is what you get i don't think that's the way to sum it up is it really because that's not very good she's the most genuine honest friendly and caring person Really? Oh, God, how boring, how boring. But apparently, uh, Mr Marsh... Oh, God, she's got parents. Uh, his uh, Jodie's father said, Jodie's very outspoken. Is she? That's, never never noticed that. What, personality-wise? I don't think so. Anyway, it's all turned pear-shaped for Jodie Marsh because she's been charged with harassment over texts allegedly sent to her former husband. She was arrested four months ago about messages said to be over a financial dispute... Uh, the model and ex-bodybuilder has branded herself the ultimate bad girl in a tweet. It's interesting. She's got an agent as well. I'm quite sorry. Getting her what? I don't know what she does anymore. But uh, uh, she denies the charges and looks forward to going to court. Of course she does. Of course she does. Anybody would look forward to going to court to sort of, you know, to sort of get something thrown out or get it, uh, you know, dismissed or whatever. But I uh, hope it's not true. hope it's not true. 84850 uk. And uh, there are 650 clowns, says Mike, in Somerset, in all in one house, just down the road from LBC. I know, I think I know where it is, actually. Isn't that Parliament Square? They're on the left-hand side, I think. There's a big building there, and that's where all the clowns go. We call them MPs, I realise, but, you know, I like the idea. Somebody says a prison. There you go. Somebody else has come up with it. A prison exclusively for clowns. We already have that. It's called Westminster. I know. What a bunch of dimbos there are in there. Uh, 84850... 
Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, somebody says, I'm amazed the police didn't just shoot the stupid clown carrying a fake weapon. Well, I, I said it's, it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long before it actually, it actually comes to that. Somebody's going to be hurt seriously badly. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, everything we read out on the programme, because, yes, that's the trouble with Halloween. You're going to get all these stupid clowns out again, isn't it? <laughs> I like it, actually. I like the idea they might be out there, and I like the idea that some of them get it run over. Because I, c- I could see that happening. Somebody chase- I said yesterday, somebody chasing somebody into, uh, into the road and then being run over by a bus or hit by a taxi or something like that. Ooh, dear. Uh, very worrying. Uh, vowed never go to Richmond M&S Food Department again after I was spoken to a young man, says Annette. Well, actually, I've been in there. I was in there yesterday. I was in there yesterday. I don't have any, any problem with anything. Because they've got... You can do the self-service bit. But um, I use Mark's Spencers because in, in Twickenham because that's, that's where I live. It would be a little bit... Uh, a little bit silly to trek all the way into Richmond to go and buy the the shopping there. Just said, if he was seriously management, they need to rethink their, their training policy. Really, so bad. So, so bad. I'm never wrong on these things, as you know. Uh, the wrong kind of graffiti has stopped a train the other day. And uh, commuters were kicked off it because somebody had put graffiti on the side. They'd apparently written a rude word. The guard had discovered the word, uh, the sexually offensive words written on the side of the train. So, I mean, how he even got to the station in the first place, I'll never know. Anyway, angry passengers called the decision to stop the Thameslinks and Albans to Wimbledon service crazy. Some even said the graffiti on two large windows was not overly vulgar. There was a child nurse uh, called Laura who said, I wasn't offended. Why cancel a perfectly working train and inconvenience so many people? Uh, Thameslink defended Monday's cancellation, saying as a responsible train operator, we had to take the train out of service. And I am unanimous in that, so well done to them. And then there's a picture of a complete idiot, uh, an angry rail user who blocked a rush hour train after marching up to it near a station. There's all these people out there. They're not the full ticket, are they, really? Uh, Commuters uh, claimed it appeared to be a row over his fare. It happened in Hatfield in Hertfordshire, led to huge delays. Anyway, uh, police detained him and took him to hospital. I don't know who we blame on this one. Do we blame the Conservative government for axing all the mental health units and not helping people who've got serious issues? Can't have people just standing in front of a train. That would be ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what have we got in the press release column, the bizarre column in the paper? It's generally the press release column. They just get them and then just rehash them around. And do you know how, long it, how many people it takes? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven people to write this drivel. Seriously, it's unbelievable. Fat boy fat who runs the column is, uh, oh, it's Eamon Holmes' last day, talking of Fat Boy Fat. It's his last day today at Sky. Whoopee! There'll be a party and celebrating, perhaps a cocktail on a stick, sausage, and um, and he'll be partaking of that, and, and he'll, have a, he'll have a couple of sherries, and, uh, and then he'll have to go home and stare at himself in the mirror. So, uh, and then it's Sarah Jane Me who takes over, isn't it? So she's going to be doing that. But then, of course, Ruth Langsford shocked viewers yesterday. She simulated sex. With Eamon Holmes. I don't know where, where this is coming from. This is dreadful. I think this must have been on Loose Women. She was simulating sex with Eamon Holmes, which I thought would be a very brief uh, occasion. And perhaps, perhaps not, not that uh, regular. I mean, it, I mean, it is a bit... Uh, it's a little bit worrying, actually, because she, uh, she acted out a steamy romp uh, in front of the shocked panel. I should imagine you could shock the panel at all. Have you seen Colleen Nolan? She spends her entire life dreaming about having sex. 
poor girl, but Ruth uh, acted out. Paddy McGuinness interjected, what are you doing? She quipped, we're on the train back from the honeymoon. Mm. Although, uh, you feel a bit bilious, don't you? Poor old Paddy McGuinness, he went round and kissed all of them. And um, she was talking about spicing up your life. I mean, poor old Colleen, that's a distant memory for her, isn't it? I mean, it's like Janet Street Porter. Oh, my God. Eamon here, he was reciting his vows whilst having sex. Ooh, I'm going to be even more sick. It gets worse and worse. We don't need to hear this on the television. Um, Ruth, uh, oh, Eamon says, what's happened? Why Why us, everyone treating me re at loose women? Has at Ruth Thiel done something? No, dear. Nothing at all, don't worry. That uh, they had somebody on there. Colleen couldn't believe it. As I say, normally when you get a good-looking bloke on the television, she dribbles all over them. And uh, she was dribbling the other day. It's a shame, isn't it, really? I was counting her chins the other day. I was just sort of thought I'd have an entertaining moment. Because if you look at Ruth Langsford, she's, she's got quite smooth skin. I don't think the hair moves that much. And uh, poor old Colleen has to rescue hers from all of us here. A sort of jiffy bag. Janet Street Porter, 190. Cheeky Janet Street Porter. Isn't that the one who bent over to take that award? Having said for years and written about it, I would never accept an award. And then all of a sudden she does. It's hilarious, really, isn't it? The poor old baggage, who must be on the last run, mustn't she? I mean, it can't go for much longer. She said, send Eamon round, to which Ruth hit back. You're not short on libido. <laughs> God, something really embarrassing about the loose women. I always prefer to call them Tramp City. We don't need this sort of stuff on the television. It's disgusting. I don't want to hear about what Ruth Langsford gets up to. I mean, the very idea that we've now got a horrible image in our mind of what Eamon Holmes looked like naked. I mean, I'm really... I'm not liking that at all. So, actually, I'm on... Are we, are we going to miss little Eamon's uh, face filling the screen in the morning? And when I say filling the screen, it does fill the screen. And uh, will he be there? Perhaps he'll get rid of the paper reviewers. Because that's... Because Sarah Jane Me, I'm assuming... I'm assuming, because I know she's glued into this programme. Um, I'm assuming she'll say, well, I don't want that person. They've got all sorts of strange people on there who are marked down as all sorts of strange jobs. Chris Akabusi, what in God's name does he know about the papers? What's he doing there? The warm-up man from The X Factor. What? The warm-up man from the... God, they must have scraped the barrel around there, mustn't they? Who are the other people? I mean, the only good one, of course. We have a couple of people that we know on there, including uh, Lucy Beresford, our sex... I barely bring myself to say it. Uh, sex. Sorry, I can't say. And uh, just sex. And um, send her round to uh, have a word with old Eamon Holmes. Must be grateful to get anything at his age, I should imagine. But anyway, so uh, that wasn't the, uh, the point I was... Anyway, so I think you could lose all the paper reviewers. To be honest with you, they're a bit surplus to requirements. And if Sky are trying to save money... Well, there will be now that Eamon's going. And uh, there'll be a huge party. And then they'll be going, phew, thank God for that. Cost a fortune. But what's he going to do? He's apparently going to make... I think he said he was going to make documentaries with Ruth, probably on sex. You'll probably see them standing there, stark naked on television, and Eamon will be demonstrating his techniques, which would be, Oi, bitch, come here. It'll be something like that. Well, I know, it's a horrible thought. Sorry, 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 sorry. People feeling slightly bilious around here, so we have to be, uh, to be very careful. Yes, I hope, I hope that, that never sees the light of day. Much as though we always hoped that poor Keith Chegwin's small part uh, didn't ever see the light of day. And that was embarrassing television. Coming up very shortly, the news at five o'clock this morning. If you didn't see it, you can Google it. Uh, well, I'd say when you Google it, I mean, you, you, you'll have to use a magnifying glass. I sent a sympathy card to, uh, to his wife at the time. Uh, Lily Allen, uh, Fury, as she says, sorry to migrants on behalf of the UK. I'm sorry, dear. Who do you think you're talking for? As usual, another delusional ex one. Robbie Savage on breaching the BBC rules by promoting gambling on football. 
I didn't think that was allowed, actually, Robbie. I think you could be censured, but of course the BBC. No idea. Uh, the selective memory of Shami Chakrabarti. She's not liked, is she, by anybody at all? The dad maimed by a killer clown. And uh, staying fit in pregnancy cuts the C-section risk. And the Marmite disappearing from Tesco. All of that and more this morning on LBC. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 13th of October. We're not superstition. I wonder why it was only Friday. Why it was only Friday the 13th that was considered. I mean, I saw the films quite clearly. Uh, not all of them, because they got a bit boring after you'd seen one murder, you'd seen another murder. By the time you get to film three, I've kind of lost the will to live, as indeed did most of the cast. But uh, I wonder why Friday the 13th in particular is, is seen as a sort of a really, really bad day. So what is the truth about Will Young? You'll read all the claptrap this morning. You're none the wiser on it. None the wiser. If you want to see something really barbaric, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, bullfighting in 4 by 4s in Spain. So in other words, the cars go out there and the bull is tormented by having rocks thrown at it. You couldn't make it up, could you? Supposed to be an animal lover, all the rest of it. There is a, there is a superstition connected to Friday the 13th. Uh, some historians claim it, it might be Middle Ages or Biblical origins. They say it was the day on which Eve bit the apple from the Tree of Knowledge. Well, I mean, how would they know it was a Friday, for God's sake? That's just ridiculous. In the New Testament, 13 people present for Jesus' Last Supper which was before the crucifixion on the Good Friday. But then Geoffrey Chaucer, remember him? Yep. Made references to the apparent unluckiness of the day, recording in his Canterbury Tales it was bad luck to start a journey or a project on a Friday. On Friday, October the 13th, Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templars. In his novel Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown... See, there's a link somewhere. Cites the 14th century execution of Templar's Grand Master, Jacques de Malloy, which took place on Friday the 13th. He cursed the Pope and the King of France. It is also possible that the publication in 1907 of Thomas W. Lawson's popular novel, Friday the 13th, played a part in disseminating the superstitions. In the novel, an unscrupulous stockbroker takes advantage of the superstition to create a Wall Street panic. So I'm just having a look at the picture, actually, by Leonardo. One, two, three, four, five. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I've missed one. Oh, thirteen. Thirteen people at the supper. All sitting on the same side of the table, which is so unusual in these harvesters, isn't it, really? I mean, there was, you know, uh, Jesus, and there was everybody else sort of chatting away and uh, eating, like, wee, you know, like normal food. It's odd, that, isn't it, really, that you sort of, you read these things. I've heard so many people argue on, um, on programmes about, you know, the Big Bang Theory, and whether or not, you know, nobody believes the Garden of Eden thing. Nobody's believing that at all. You know, we didn't come from Adam and Eve. It wasn't because the earth was around a lot longer than that. And if Christ was walking around Galilee only, you know, how many years ago? Can't have been that long. Can't have been that long ago. 2,000 years. Yeah, but in terms of, you know, how long we've been around, I mean, didn't they know anything about what had occurred for the Big Bang? Where did they think Galilee came from? You know, did it just sort of appear? Like, oh, a mirage. Look, Galilee. Wow, amazing. Mount of Olives. Whoa, Hi tomb with stone and all that kind of stuff so it's obviously a good story and it's sort of been perpetuated over the years but it, it's it, it is the big bang theories and apparently we all came from a puddle or something but where did the puddle come from that's what i want to know i've got stupid questions like that this morning because i sometimes worry about that you know we've talked about space the final frontier and you know boldly go steve animal boldly go where nobody's ever been before because they couldn't be bothered and so you go there and you go but where where does it go to 
Where does it go? I mean, is there that sign at the end going, this is the, the end of the universe? <laughs> From here, you're in no man's land. It's not been built up at all. And so it, it's a, that's why I wonder about it. I mean, I don't know. Have we not got a spacecraft? If it's eight years to get to Mars, there must be eight years in and eight years back. I mean, there are those who say the story of the Bible is true to the word, but they do struggle to explain where the dinosaurs come from. Well, in fact, if you speak to ultra-Orthodox Jews, they don't believe in dinosaurs. We used to have a woman used to phone up regularly to speak to Clive Bull, I can't remember her name now, but she used to say dinosaurs never existed. And Clive would say, but they're in the Natural History Museum. It's not true. I mean, seriously, it, 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 was as, it, it was as difficult as that to try and explain to somebody who didn't want to believe that dinosaurs ever existed and walked the earth. I think people seriously thought that it was the Garden of Eden. But it's that big question about where do you go? If you if you get in a spaceship and you've got something... I mean, we never have anything like the Starship Enterprise. I mean, that was just somebody's fantasy. And you sort of... And you get in it and go there. How far how far do you go? And if, if somebody says infinity, I'll come around and slap the back of your legs because I'm not interested. I just want to know where it goes. I mean, is there another uh, solar system like ours? Is there another world which has got people on like us. No, of course it hasn't. There's nothing else out there at all. They're never going to find a planet that's inhabited by people whizzing around in spaceships. It's just not going to happen. It's very nice, but that was George Jetson and the rest of the Jetson family. It was all, meet George Jetson. Da, da. And so that, that was all, it was made up. Okay, Dan Dare never really existed. All made up. It was people's fantasy after they'd smoked a few sploffs and then they would start writing. You know, I mean, the Beatles did some of their best albums on sploffs. It, it has to be said, yeah, some of the other stuff was rubbish, but the, the stuff on Sploffs was brilliant. And, uh, you know, say, sorry? Star Wars is totally real. I mean, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Chew, Chewbacca exists. I know that people like that exist on other planets. But what would they be like? Would they just be sort of strange shapes moving around, or would they have a form like ours? Because, in other words, there must be a duplicate of our world somewhere out there, which, of course, is a stupid question for a Thursday morning, because there isn't. There's nothing out there. We've been around for God knows how many thousands of years, and we've not found any other life on any other planet. The nearest to get to it is we might have found a drop of moisture. And that's about as, as good as it gets. You're not going to get somebody saying, oh, look, there was a little creature that popped up there. <whistles> it's not going to be like that, is it? We're not going to find all of a sudden there's an underground city on, on Mars or... Pluto or Saturn or anything like that. There's not going to be anything. It's not going to be like Fireball XL5. It's not going to be, you know, landing a spacecraft and then getting out and somebody saying, hello, we were wondering how long it was going to take you to find us. We've been on the moon for ages. This is our version of McDoodles uh, over here. We do uh, we do Chosbiggers and you can get all sorts of things. Very nice indeed. And uh, we've got a, a Lidl opening very shortly up here. Oh, it's been going on for ages and ages. And we've been watching you watching us. Because we've sent something into space, haven't we? Which which makes a bleeping sound so that other people can, can find it and do what with it. I've got no idea. I mean, if there was anything out there, surely by now, they must be more advanced than us and they would have landed. I keep encouraging people, dematerialise in this studio right now. It's an open invitation. I'll give over the rest of the programme. Can you imagine if all of a sudden it went... And a person appeared there in a silver space suit? That would be so exciting. It's not going to happen, of course. But if it did... And then you go, OK, you could take the silver space in and you go... It'd be really scary. So he's obviously got asthma when he arrives. And uh, because of dementia as well, apparently. That's according to NASA. If you come back from Mars, you could have dementia because it's eight years out and eight years back again. I mean, so you pack a lot of sandwiches for that. That's a lot of cheese and pickle. A lot of cheese and pickle. But imagine if this person dematerialised in, in the studio and I sat here 
And I said to the producer, well, somebody in the studio. And he goes, I can't see them. And I go, well, I can see them. And then they take the suit off and they're a lizard. And I go, David Ike, what are you doing here? You naughty little scamp. Trying to fool me like that. But it wouldn't be lovely if you could actually... I'd love the idea of dematerialising and materialising somewhere else. I like the idea. I don't know where. I'm somewhere with a tap that works. But, uh, you know, somewhere where you can sort of... You just sort of go, OK, I'm, I'm going to teleport home now. And they go, you're not taking the bus. You go, take the bus. It's ridiculous. I'm just going to teleport. And you push a little button. You go... Then you end up in next door's bathroom, you know, and they're in the bathroom going, what are you doing? They go, sorry, wrong button, wrong button. It's all exciting, isn't it, you see? You think your life's dull. I tell you, mine is amazingly exciting. Why is Marmite disappearing from Tesco's? It's a bit of an issue with uh, Unilever, who supply Tesco's with Marmite and loads of other items, and it's something to do with, uh, with sort of money, where they're charging them more for the item than they were paying for it before. So they've got a bit of a stalemate going on. It's all, it's all a bit a bit sort of technical, but it obviously means that Tesco are not going to pay the, the prices. So they're hoping to have the issue resolved soon. So this row started, if I can remember how it worked. Unilever face higher costs after the fall in the value of the pound. They then attempted to pass them on in higher wholesale prices. Now, Unilever is the UK's biggest food and grocery manufacturer. Many famous brand names. They've got Hellman's Mayonnaise, Surf, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream, Marmite, Pot Noodles, loads of stuff. Loads of stuff. So will it actually change things? Tesco are currently experiencing availability issues. No, it's not availability. They're, they're haggling over the money. They're haggling over the money. And so, I mean, sterling has dropped by 16% against the euro. Do you remember the other day we were telling you that it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm not too sure when it's going to get better. Probably not in many of your lifetimes. But people went over abroad and they were exchanging a pound and getting under one euro. Under one... Hardly, hardly worth bothering, is it? Hardly worth bothering. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Patricia says, in Chiswick, nearly everyone goes self-service on the uh, on the tills. Lack of service from one person. One person. Uh, wasn't the alien on the Jeremy Beadle show real? Oh, that was the worst thing ever. That really, did you remember seeing that? This woman, it was just how anybody could ever have believed it was an alien. I've got no idea. They obviously picked on the simplest person in the entire road. And there she was. They had a crater dug. And then this thing came out of the ground and she started talking to it. I mean, I mean, as if you'd believe anything like that. When we did uh, George Takai on In Conversation last week. The producer said, I'm going to put that little noise... I don't know if he ever did put the little noise in when George... Deca- it was going to be that sort of dematerialising thing. Did he not do it? <laughs> he told me he was going to do it. Cheeky little poppet. And uh, and obviously decided not to in the uh, in the long run. I thought it could have been quite funny, actually, just to have that noise that they make. Uh, it's ten months there and ten months back, and the alien says... No, it's it's eight... How, how long is that journey to uh, to Mars? I think... I thought it was eight years... I'm pretty certain it's eight years. Pretty, pretty certain. Pretty, pretty certain. I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's eight. If it's only ten months out and ten months back, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? How are you going to get dementia in that time? That's why they were saying, because it's eight years out and eight years back again. So we are checking, even as I speak, even as I speak, the uh, the producer. Here we go. Uh, the total journey time from Earth to Mars... 
is between 150 and 300 days, depending on the speed of the launch, the alignment of Earth and Mars, and the length of the journey. So what's 300 days? Is that t- that's 10 months, isn't it? Oh, right, 10, oh, no, 10 months. Is there somebody else who says it takes longer? <laughs> Wait a minute, here we go. And, and uh, A typical time during Mars' closest approach to the only is about 260 days. I still don't want to go, actually. There's nothing up there, is there? They say flight time's four to 450 days. But uh, they say uh, requiring a higher energy, one Earth year, possibly two or three years on the mission to Mars, and a comparable length of time on the return to Earth. Can you imagine if you got up there and it was all singing, all dancing? They were having barn dances and people were sitting on clouds. I quite like the sound of that, doesn't it? It's quite nice. It's never going to happen. Instead, we have to... Con- have to sort of control our excitement with the state of the travel. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Steve, says Niall, the journey to Mars could be considerably longer if Southern Rail are involved in the launch. Yes, in fact, you might not actually get there at all. Might not get there at all. What was it yesterday? Was it 600,000 commuters were really not happy, as you can well imagine. Well imagine. Uh, Paul says, uh, ten months there and ten months back. And aliens are already here. I love it, I know. They're all dressed up as David Icke. That's the trouble, really. Uh, Anna says, I'd like to go to uh, into space. Well, go. Go. And um, another one here. I would immediately reach for the iron, should I ever have the misfortune of seeing Eamon Holmes in the altogether. <laughs> Try and take the image out of your mind. It's much easier. I was shopping in M&S in Manchester a couple of months ago, says Debbie. I had the same problem as you, but you won't like this. Will Young was shopping there. Not only did they pack the bags for him, they carried them out for him as well. No! Don't tell us another precious Will Young story. Why is it every time you see a picture of Grayson Perry, nobody else gets a look in? We've seen this bloke dressed in a frock a million times. Can we have some other pictures, please? Can we have some other pictures? Apart from that poor old Duke of Edinburgh. Wait, what is it? It's it's Grayson Perry. Uh, Grayson Perry? Who is that? I don't know. He likes wearing dresses. And uh, he enjoys the attention. But every time there's a picture of him... It's there. This time it's with the Queen. She's probably looking at him going, what in God's name are you wearing? But <laughs> We laugh at these sort of things, don't we? We always have a bit of fun with the newspapers in the morning. So Robbie Savage, he's very naughty. He's also not very good at football uh, doing, doing commentaries. But anyway, he's, uh, he's breached BBC rules. Let's wait and see how long it takes them to slap him down, shall we? Let's just work this one out. Because he's promoting gambling on football. On the same day, he's giving views on games. Uh, he is uh, paid to plug Bookie William Hill on Twitter. BBC guidelines say pundits should not promote services linked to a sport they cover. Well, why has nobody told him? Why has nobody told him? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They always have different standards at the BBC. Oh, forget about it. Nobody will notice. It's only Robbie Savage, for God's sake. Nobody listens to what he says. But uh, here, you know, he, he became a host of 606 in 2010, the same year he signed up as an ambassador for William Hill. He refused to comment. Well, he should be dropped from the BBC immediately. Immediately reading his sort of Twitter feeds and it's all William Hill betting things and stuff like that. I mean, this is illegal. It's against what he's signed up to. I mean, he's not the first one to fall foul of the rules. Master Chef's uh, Michelle Rue Jr. quit the Beeb in 2014. Such a nice man. Such a nice man. After it tried to ban him from potato ads. Do you remember those? I remember that. I can remember those as if it was yesterday. But the one I remember the most was Carol Vorderman, who was sacked from Tomorrow's World over a washing powder deal. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. You can't tie somebody in. You know, we have presenters on this station who go off and do other things. Obviously not go and work for other radio stations. That would be silly. 
because otherwise that would be a, a conflict of interests. But, you know, here, you know, even Linda Barker in changing rooms went to work for Curry's and DFS sofas. Jamie Oliver's Naked Chef ended in 2001 because of his uh, association with Sainsbury's. They're all de- but Robbie Savage should know this. It should be dropped immediately. But, of course, they probably won't. They'll just faff around, won't they? Like a bunch of headless chickens. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, I've been listening to your back catalogue of interviews since purchasing the uh, the podcast, says Mike, who's my new regular, as they say. And uh, another one here. Uh, Paul says, Mr. Aaron, I love your show. Culture Wakefield, I can't do a Wakefield impression because I don't think they've got an accent. He says, you get me shouting at the radio. You must, must get a life. But as for aliens, if the government revealed aliens exist, the stock market would crash, governments would lose control, and regions... Why? 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 Why Why would that be the case? That's sort of like a Nick Abbott thing, isn't it? Why, why would you say that? Why would, why would the stock market collapse? What if aliens existed? Don't be so ridiculous. I mean, if they existed, then we'd be told about them, wouldn't we? But, of course, people don't, don't tell you about things like that because they don't exist. They don't exist. It's as simple as that. It's one of those those things. So nothing would uh, nothing would collapse. Governments wouldn't lose control. Why would they lose control? Of course they wouldn't. We could all be annihilated. Mind you, if you watch this new film Inferno, you might believe in that one. George Decay's interview was amazing. Very active and very funny on Twitter. He is, isn't he? He was. He was a very good interview. Very, very good. Unfortunately, uh, somebody wrote to me this morning who happened upon the Sam Fahir's baby diaries, uh, in which it showed Sam and her baby Paul in uh, the first few. Uh, months of motherhood. There's absolutely nothing else to it apart from Sam and Billy going on holiday, shopping and doing toddler showers. It's pitifully awful, says Chris in Brentwood. It is. Of course, the worst thing, the worst thing is um, that this programme, I mean, she she went on television the other day and she was breastfeeding because she was late turning up. Whether or not it's because she was trying to do her makeup and trying to make something off her face. It must be difficult when you start with a blank canvas. And um, And so she's on there. She's now moving from, I believe, Essex. I believe she wants to move to Surrey. Uh, can I offer this advice, Sam and your bloke that you're with, who's very peculiar? Uh, please don't. We don't want you. OK? I just thought I'd mention that now. I don't want you devaluing anybody's property. So can you stay in Essex? Essex people are sort of a little bit gutted that uh, she's always... A... I saw the interview yesterday. She speaks like a five-year-old. It's very embarrassing. Very awful. So I agree with you. Chris in Brentwood. It's uh, it's sort of somebody grabbing at the last vestige of a dreary existence, and that would be it. Uh, Jane says, heavens above, eight years without the Steve Allen show. No fear. Not to mention the jet lag. Can you imagine the jet lag after eight years? But actually, we've now discovered it's not. It's only going to be about ten months. Can you imagine, though, ten months without the Steve Allen show? I mean, how would you actually... You would, uh, and it's ten there and ten... Oh, ten there and ten back. No Steve Allen show. What would you do? People would be going, push push the accelerator a bit faster. Not going to get there, is it? Otherwise, it's going to be terrible. Uh, Strictly War After Singer Walks. This is uh, attention-seeking Will Young. It's not working, though, is it? He's, he's got the coverage, but the, the interviews say nothing. And, um, and then the riddle over the family rift, which I don't know is a red herring or whatever else, but uh, they've axed 20 grand from his pay. Of course they should. Branded a quitter by bosses. Knew he wouldn't win in the show. Partner livid over losing the slot. It's just petulance. Isn't it? It's just petulance. Although if you read one of the other papers, I don't know if he's ill or he's, he's sort of talked about, you know, he's sort of pronounced, nobody cares. 
Why do these sort of faded pop stars seem to think that we're interested in their views? It's like nobody's interested in Lily Allen's views on anything. Seriously, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Why do they insist on it? But you've got Will Young in every paper on why I quit Strictly. Nobody cares. We're not interested. As I say, you know, why didn't you tell us this to start with? Why are you, are you sort of dragging out that last little bit of fame? Because it's, it's just failing miserably. Not good. Uh, the bullfighting in the 4x4s is the most peculiar thing. Bulls are chased to exhaustion, uh, whilst people in 4x4 throw rocks at them. And eventually they bring them down, but they're not dead. Oh, no, they're not dead. That, that, little, that little delight is waiting for them. The, uh, the bull gets sort of hemmed in and ends up in a cage and is there thinking, thank God that chase is over. No, that chase is not over, as a man leans forwards with a knife and plunges it into its head. Brilliant, aren't they? Spain's animal cruelty. Chased to exhaustion, pelted with rocks, just for a bit of fun. Hilarious, isn't it? What I'd like to do, actually, is I'd like to get the people out there four by fours and arm the bulls with 12-bore shotguns and start firing at them. You know, so even at the end, this poor animal is then chased to total exhaustion and somebody leans forward and uh, and sticks a knife into the top of its head and that kills it instantly. And you think, what is the point? What is the point of that? Who are these buffoons in these cars? You know, what's, it's just for fun. They haven't done it for any other reason. There's no other reason. It's not done anything. It's when you see people throwing rocks at it that you start thinking, these people look a bit odd. In fact, there's a, a young couple uh, cuddling up as the animal suffers, as, some, as people are sticking these things into the side of it. What a sick nation they must be. What a sick nation. But, uh, as I say, now, isn't this the same country that throws donkeys from the roofs of churches? There's one particular ceremony where they take a live donkey up to the top of a church tower and just throw it off, just for the sheer fun of it. Sick people. Uh, now and again, I have a few drinks and beers at the Tattershall Castle. It's on the embankment. Drinks are on the pricey side, says Raymond. But, uh, uh, I didn't like it. Didn't like the staff there. Then you never go. You must never go again. You must only go if you like a place. My story, incidentally, about Marks and Spencers and the you have to ask if you want me to pack your bag, which I've never heard before in my entire life. And then uh, I said, but I've always had that. I'm not psychic, said youth. Not psychic. As I, as I pointed out to him, I'm sorry, I think this was uh, sort of part of, uh, of customer service. I've obviously got the wrong idea. It's obviously not his, um, his sort of remit to actually pack your bag unless you ask for it. Bit sad, isn't it? Everybody else seems to manage it. He's always got some little chip on his shoulder. Oh, they banned it, have they? The donkey and goat throwing. Oh, thank God for that, in 2002. About blooming time. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, really? Uh, Emma Dale Leia. This is the actress who has got cancer and, and then she decided, because she hasn't got £50,000, to put out an appeal and they got the £50,000 very quickly. And I thought, you've been an actress all this time and... I was sort of, I can understand where she's coming from, but at the same time, I thought, could you just go and borrow £50,000 and pay it back? Why, why, is, why are we paying for this? I don't quite understand. She's going to Germany for this treatment. They don't offer it here, and apparently it can do sort of wonderful things. Well, then go and borrow some money. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make sense? Nope. She goes on television, and she has a Just Giving kind of page thing, and they get the money in, which is great. But, um, you know, a lot of other people have to do it different ways. And if you're famous, can you do that? You'd have thought you'd have uh, had some money. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning. I was uh, a couple of the girls outside on the news desk. Girls. I was like, girls. Is that offensive? Should I call them women? 
ladies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to call them now. Anyway, I call them girls because they're younger than I am. So they're, they're some of the girls out on the news desk uh, were talking the other day about winning money on the Euro Millions. And I said, as I was eavesdropping the conversation, I had six notifications, if you remember yesterday, from the National Lottery telling me that I'd won money in the Euro Millions. So I got a wee bit excited till I discovered that the whole pot had gone to somebody in Belgium. No, I'm not nothing against Belgium. But to be honest with you, I hope it rots with them. No, I don't care. I'm quite happy that somebody's won it over there. Just don't ever show me a picture of them because I really don't want to see it. Anyway, and one of the girls out there was saying that she'd won, on her winning lottery ticket, £2.40. Which, of course, is brilliant because the ticket costs £2.50. I, for my sins, with six winning tickets, got £39, which I shall reinvest because of, what are you going to do with it? Take it out and do what with it nowadays? Absolutely nothing at all. But I've now noticed that Euro Millions winners are losing money after the prize for matching two numbers slumped below the cost of playing. So, in other words, thanks to the pounds plunge amid Brexit fears, players win less than the £2.50 price of a ticket. The fee was raised by 50p in September, nine days before the Prime Minister, Theresa May, announced when Brexit negotiations would begin, causing the pound to fall to a 31-year low. So the last three prizes for matching two numbers have been £2.40, £2.30 and £2.40. Yet Tuesday's prize in Europe, where a ticket cost £2.25, was £3.60. Again, we're being shafted, good and proper. Camelot said two factors influenced payout numbers of winners and the pound exchange rate, both of which are beyond Camelot's control. It said a fixed £1.65 was taken per UK ticket for the game, but this was now below the £2.20 rate elsewhere, so the UK prizes fell to address the shortfall. In other words, it's so stupid that you buy a ticket for £2.50, but the most you could win on that one would be £2.40. So you're kind of down on the deal, aren't you? Uh, Lewis Smith has uh, been a bit stupid, but there again, he always was a bit stupid, wasn't he? This was the man who was uh, texting uh, rude things about his body. Uh, went out with some poor creature. I think he went out with Lucy Mecklenburg or something. She disappeared. But anyway, he uh, he does a video, and uh, it's sort of it's a Muslim mocking video. He's had to backtrack like there's no tomorrow. And he filmed himself and a fellow gymnast drunkenly, drunkenly, if you please, imitating the Muslim call to prayer at a friend's wedding. I mean, they don't come any more stupid than Lewis Smith, do they? I mean, this would have to be, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how intelligent he is, I think he'd be under the bar, quite a long way under the bar. Anyway, he's had a series of online threats uh, to uh, him and his family. He says, it's the lowest point of my career. Oh, like it's our fault. Like it's our fault. No, that would you being being a bit thick, you know. And so he does this. I mean, one, one guy's Facebook page had a picture of him with a pistol on his lap. You know, so they're not sort of messing around here. And his social networking pages have been inundated with death threats. Hilarious, isn't it? I mean, seriously, who are they? You just go to the police with them. Don't waste your time talking to a newspaper. He says, people will see this video and think I'm racist, but I'm not. I'm, no, you were just drunk and very stupid. But unfortunately, it's not very clever of you, is it? So proving once and for all that you really are the joke of the century. He says, I apologise to all Muslims. Yeah, I don't think people buy that kind of thing anymore, do they, really? It just, just makes a mockery of it. You know, you're supposed to be reasonably intelligent. Nobody ever thought you were. I'm just sort of saying, you know, that we were hoping that you might have been. Uh, oh, I tell you what I've just discovered as clothes. The Dickens experience, which I think is down at Chatham Docks. They're just closed up. 
just like that. It cost 62 million. It's been there about 10 years. Um, I always think things like that are going to be there forever and a day, but I can't help wondering how many people would want to go to the Dickens experience and sort of meet Fagin's gang and all that kind of stuff. So it's closed its doors. Whether it's gone into administration, I don't know. One lady spent 350 quid on tickets only to find the place locked up. Reminds me, actually, I watched a Gordon Ramsay show the other night. You know where people, you know, call him into their restaurants in America? I think it's called Kitchen Nightmares. And he goes in there and uh, tries to find out why a restaurant or a business is failing. And he goes in there. In this particular one, he meets the buffoon of all buffoons. Yes, somebody even more stupid than Lewis Smith. This is a bloke. There's three of them own this restaurant and it's not working. The food is dire. And so Gordon waves his uh, magic wand and he creates a new menu and uh, he lets them all taste it. Well, there's this one bloke in the middle called Dave, I think. And Dave doesn't like anything. He quietly thinks and he calls Gordon Ramsay Gordy. Because he said Gordon Ramsay was uh, was dissing him and not respecting him. As opposed to the fact that this is the bloke who called in Gordon Ramsay to try and save a business that was dying. And Gordon Ramsay said to him quite clearly, he said, listen, he said, you need to get out of this business. This business is not for you. It's not for you at all. You don't know anything. You know nothing. You're, you're the, the fly in the ointment. And he lays it on the line. This other bloke lays into him and he's going to do this and that. You don't know anything about this. I'm afraid Chef Ramsay has got it wrong, he goes. And he's, he's ranting and raving, but quite genuinely ranting and raving. And then at the end of the day, Gordon Ramsay goes, well, listen, I'm telling you now, you need to get out because you're killing this business stone dead. He goes back there a year later. The business has closed. Business has closed. They went back to their original menu. It died. They didn't take the advice, which, you know, he'd give... Even when he gave them the new food and said, this is New England oysters and this is Atlantic, whatever it was, anything. And this bloke was trying to get, oh, I don't like that. Don't know. He didn't like anything. He was so negative that the business was doomed to failure. Now, luckily, another couple have, uh, have actually got it. And uh, he's nowhere, which is fantastic. Uh, Steve, uh, uh, you must be going the long way round to Mars. It's eight months, not eight years. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm stopping off to do a bit of sightseeing and take some selfies. I mean, come on, if you're going to Mars, I want to land on the planet. I want to have a good old look around. You know, I want it to be like the chalk painting in Mary Poppins. I want to actually sort of experience something. I want to know if on all these other planets they, they've got the same sort of things that we've all got. Have they got mountains and valleys? And ri- Where does it come from, this stuff? I mean, how big are these places? Are they the size of Earth? I don't know. There's a picture of Kim Kardashian here. Minutes after the raid, the film of the active crime scene. Because let's face it, the, uh, the police in, uh, in France are not the brightest. If you remember, they couldn't even find a car that was in the tunnel, which they think might have caused the crash which killed Diana. So there's no chance of them finding anything here. The French police wander around in a dizzy They just... They've got no idea. But minutes after the raid, Kim Kardashian is sitting on the sofa with a phone in her hand. You'd have thought, actually, because they do have police standing out of shot. She's sitting on the sofa, glued to the mobile and huddled up in a blanket. The images from footage said to have been shot soon after the swoop. So the police came in, swooping and sweeping. And um, it's, it's a little bit worrying, actually. But apparently she suffered a lot of emotional terror. I mean, the answer really, you know, terrible though it is, I mean, nothing happened to her. OK, she was traumatised and they took the jewellery. Or somebody took the jewellery. Whatever it is, we haven't found it, so it's not coming up any time soon. I'm assuming the parts uh, are, are identifiable, so somebody will have to dissect the jewellery to sell the jewels on, but people will be looking out for it. I'm assuming there are enough bent people in France, as there are in this country, who you can sort of ferry all this stuff through and you can fence it and turn it into another piece of jewellery. 
But is she ever likely to see it again? Probably not. Probably not. Who who took it? No idea. Five people dressed as policemen. That's about as that's about as good as it gets. I'm afraid. Uh, reading about Will Young, he says I suffer from extremely low self-esteem and a lack of confidence. So now we've got all the. So having seen all the pictures of him on Strictly at the beginning, big smile, yee, cheese, big smile, everybody very happy. Now we've got a picture of him walking around a park, looking as miserable as sin. And you think to yourself, you know, I mean, what what is going on here? On relationships, I'm scared of commitment. I was basically traumatized in relationships. I've got some serious stuff to sort out. Uh, on his first moments in the limelight, by the time I appeared on Pop Idol, I've been through three years of depression. My God, it all comes out now, doesn't it? Let's throw it all out into there. And he says, and I remember feeling protected by my experience of sadness. They enveloped me like a cloak. I think he's writing a song here, actually. I don't think this is actually anything of interest to anybody. He says, I'd been heartbroken. I'd struggled and would continue to struggle with my sexuality. I'd lost friends, had family hardship, and I had a degree in politics to boot. On his diminishing fame, I missed the years of being more famous in some ways. Still miss selling a million albums, being papped, being a bigger star. I guess a part of me slightly lived for that. I think possibly most of it, and I think it's actually going through that again. I think you need to get out of the limelight quick as possible and uh, just go and do something normal. He's said to be worth 13 million. I don't quite see how he could be, but, I mean, I'm always willing to... Mind you, we, we bought into the fact that, uh, that Jordan's worth a fortune. I did have... I did have. I forgot. I brought it with me this morning. I wasn't uh, sure, actually. I was going to bring you the fact that uh, lovely Peter, ancient as the hills, Andre, and his lovely posy wife, called Ems, are posing in his mansion, which obviously has... Uh, they've obviously just moved in with the bits of some sticks of furniture. Apparently Ems is marvellous at this, but there again, I mean, she is the nearest thing to, to the almighty. She's learnt to do funny little poses. Which, of course, if she was a glamour model or somebody like that, I could understand, or a housewife in Cheshire. But she is just Peter Andre's other half, so there's nothing really much going on. But he shows you around his luxurious house because that's what Pete likes to do. I'm surprised, actually, there's no pictures of the children there. There's just pictures of some, some, some items that they've got for the nursery that have turned up for the, the new baby that uh, Ems is having. So that'll make uh, four he's got, which is fantastic. Hope the money continues to roll in. Hope he doesn't have to sell the house in the future. But he's proudly showing you round it. I'd like to see it when people have lived in it. Because at the moment it looks a little bit like a little bit like somebody sprayed it with Dettol. That's what it looks like. It's that sort of clean, pristine. There's no sort of... It's not a lived-in house at all. It's just very sterile and very naff. It's a bit actually like Ems and Pizzi. He does love his children, though. But they don't feature in these pictures here. Perhaps they were busy doing a photo shoot with their mother for the day. Anyway, uh, still to come, uh, guess what the Middletons are flogging? You won't believe this one. I mean, this really is bizarre. And Toyota recall 340,000 Priuses. This is this... Uh, I sometimes have a Prius in in the morning. I don't want to be recalled. Not halfway through my journey. And uh, the oldest jigsaw in the world. And uh, Richard says, there's no point in bidding. What can that be about? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. I trust you well. Welcome to Thursday, which means we've only got one more day and then you've got the weekend. Kevin the Milkman says it only took me two seconds to go to Mars. Well, I didn't fancy a Kit Kat or a Bounty that day. He said, is that a trap door I feel opening beneath my feet? <laughs> Exit stage left, I think, Kevin. Exit stage left. And, uh, and somebody says, P- Peter says, what do you want to go to Mars for? Not exactly a party planet. When you get there, there's no atmosphere. Thank you. Old ones are the best. Might as well make it controversial, mightn't we, I think. Uh, the first group who'll be going to Mars are not going to return to Earth. One-way ticket. Red Planet is dark. 
I love science, but I most certainly don't want to go there. I'd quite like to go there, put up some street lighting. And then people go, I think we just found street lighting on Mars. People go, who's sure? Anyway, here she is, Lily Allen. Biggest disaster going. And uh, she reacted very angrily. People always, have you noticed, that's the latest thing now. Somebody goes and does something. And then people criticise and go, oh, shut up. And then they react angrily. That, that's what the, the phrase is. And um, she's been criticised for a tearful apology she made on behalf of my country, that's here, the United Kingdom, to a teenage refugee. The singer wept as she told the boy, the English in particular have put you in danger. I'm sorry for what we've put you through. What? Miss Allen took time out from recording her new album. Oh, that's what it's about. Oh, sorry. So, oh, dumb, 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 Stephen. It's an album. She was volunteering at a charity warehouse uh, where 10,000 migrants live while trying to find ways to sneak into Britain. The Afghan, who said he was 13 and said that his father lives in Birmingham, has been there for two months, Miss Allen told him. It seems that at three different intervals in this young man's life, the English in particular put you in danger. It's a classic case, isn't it? Engage brain before opening mouth. She's also said that she will take in a child at her £2 million home. Left it a bit late, love, haven't you? This, this is not exactly something that happened last week. Why have you just come round to it now? A little bit late, jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, album to promote, sorry. <gasps> stupid me, stupid me. I should have realised that, actually. But, um, you know, people, uh, says guaranteed, somebody, somebody tweeted to her, guaranteed the migrants won't be coming to an expensive house near you, they'll be coming to a council flat near me. Because she said, she said she'll take a child in at her £2 million home. Oh, that's nice. Just sort of abducting them or something. How's that going to work? Some of these people do actually have parents. Some of them uh, are people who will commit crime. Some of them are people who will become drug dealers. Some of these people are people who will commit murder. That's that's how it works. Wherever you've got a huge group of people. You see what happens to, uh, to some of the trucks as they go through. And uh, a lot of these migrants put stuff in the road. Lot of, you know, trees rocks and everything else, anything to stop the uh, to stop the drivers so they can get on. It's ridiculous. There was that poor man the other day in his car who had to get out and they started attacking him. I don't think these are people we want at all. Uh, Alison Boshoff has done Will Young's dramatic walkout from Strictly. Nothing dramatic about it. Nothing particularly interesting about it. The trouble is what, what, uh, what he's got is a great insecurity. Which, of course, you know, they, you, can, you, can, you can go and see anybody, go and see any psychiatrist. They'll tell you that the way you are at this particular moment is because of something that happened in your past. So when Will Young won Pop Idol, and it was him and Gareth Gates, and uh, both their, their careers, I thought Will Young was very organised. He was, he was very careful not to let them waste money. So when they'd say, oh, we'll, we'll send a car for you, don't worry, I can get the bus. He used to get the bus to the interviews, so he didn't want the money coming out of the prize pot. And so he ended up doing quite well about it. Then he became a little bit grand and he became a little bit temperamental and he became a little bit prissy. And he became a little bit like the sort of person you really wouldn't, wouldn't want to hang around with. I mean, I, I did hear a story the other day. I cannot tell you about it because uh, the person who told me said, you mustn't tell this story. So I can't. But it's, it's a case of Mr. Moody. Mr, you know, the man who sort of has everything and yet doesn't have anything at all. So he's out with his two dogs, which is lovely, but that obviously preoccupies his life. He's obviously lonely. He's obviously very lonely. And he just decided to walk off the programme because Len Smith criticised him and because there's obviously other issues. There might be family issues, I'm not too sure. Uh, strangely, Alison Boshoff says he's a, he's a born survivor. She says um, uh, he, he's not only shown he's immensely... Uh, 
I think, I can't read this because I'm part of the prints missing, actually. He's got lots of popular appeal, but given the trauma he's endured in life, he's a born survivor. He's got dogs and an adopted orphan Shetland pony, which lives at his Cornish house. What he hasn't got, or what he appears not to have, is people around him. He doesn't seem to have that. He seems to sort of be by himself, and no parents turned up. He must be the only person who's been on Strictly who appeared to have no friends and family sitting in the audience going, come on, come on! You know, which is obviously what he, he needs to feel all the time. It's, uh, it's very odd, isn't it? It's a very odd story. I'm not inclined to be interested in any way, shape or form. I'm just sort of, I'm intrigued as to why he didn't say this to start with. Why send them an email at the BBC saying, well, that's basically it. I've had enough. And, uh, and they went, OK, well, fine, we do, do respect your, your wishes, which is all they can do. What else can you do? You can't do anything else. So they've cut his fee. <laughs> uh, Brian says, wouldn't it be funny if they landed on Mars and found a supermarket trolley? That would be so funny. That would be so funny. Or somebody waiting. <laughs> somebody waiting there by a bus stop that's in the middle of nowhere. Sand strewn. I love that kind of thing. I love that kind of thing. Uh, 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, I can never forget your recent description of dogs in China being carried to the pot of boiling water. Yes, I mean, it's the, the animal cruelty is uh, is something that you know, features in our papers almost on a daily basis. I find it very depressing. And Anne says, grumpy old git lent, old wind, show up, put up, shut up. It was obviously he didn't like him either. No, he doesn't seem to garner, you know, sort of full support from people. And the, the worst thing was yesterday, I said, you know, having sort of done this diatribe of, you know, verbal whatever, you know, talking about, you know, the passion that people have and this and that, I'm thinking, sorry, can you stop talking about yourself? Could you just care? What about all the people who voted all the people, all the fans, not once did he mention the fans. So he quite clearly couldn't care less about you. So perhaps we won't care any less when they sort of go, we're going to bring out an album. Oh, wait a minute, he's not got a recording contract, has he? Anyway, here is another story in the paper. And this is, oh, somebody's saying, Pat says, 25,000 doesn't seem a lot of money. They must be pretty hard up to, uh, you know, to put in all that effort, only for 25 grand. I think it varies. I wouldn't like to say it varies hugely, but I think it probably does if they're looking for something. And also because he wasn't, he's not doing anything. He's sitting at home, probably stroking his dogs and staring at the television and the walls. So it was something to do to give him a purpose, but then he, he couldn't manage that. So you kind of have to sort of go, well, you know, you just do what you want to do. But it's given him the publicity, which is great. Not once does he mention the fans in any of the interviews. I've been trying desperately to find that he's concerned about the fans who've supported him over the years, but he doesn't appear to care about you at all, which is a shame. Perhaps he'll, perhaps he'll change his mind. So what have the Middletons done? You know, they have a, a sort of costume thing and party stuff and all the rest of it. Uh, but this, I think, is possibly the best one. Sold by the Duchess of Cambridge's family firm for seven-year-olds. It could be considered tasteless, yes... It's Roadkill Pet Halloween Costume. You heard that correctly. Roadkill Pet Halloween Costume. Party Pieces, the company run by Kate Middleton's parents. Uh, it's sixteen ninety nine. It depicts a dead rabbit with tyre marks across its torso. This is what the kids are putting on. I mean, are they dumb or are they dumb? It was singled out of one of eight inappropriate costumes... For children, in a poll of one and a half thousand parents by some website, which is a parenting website, uh, one father said the roadkill pet suit would terrify his daughter. Some fo- because it is, so you, you sort of get the rabbit costume 
and then a tyre mark going... Perhaps the, perhaps the Middletons thought that was hilarious. <laughs> perhaps it's so, so funny. Big earner for retailers. Uh, they also... Uh, there's also a killer clown outfit for five-year-olds. Fantastic, aren't they? They're really up with it. No, they're not. Uh, asking for a penny for the guy and other November the 5th traditions have been virtually wiped out as people go out tricking or treating. As I say, it must be a nightmare if you live on an estate where you've got kids coming. Hello, tricker. Most parents have to go with the kids because otherwise they commit God knows what sort of murders out there. And you're supposed to keep a big basket of sweets by the front door. No. Bucket of water I've got. Bucket of water with some soap suds in it, which always sort of adds to the interest. Go home. You look like you need a wash. Chuck it out there. And electrifying the doorbell. Always terribly entertaining for, uh, for the neighbours who sit there waiting for the next victim. So, uh, but roadkill, I mean, really, is in the worst possible taste. Um, somebody said Halloween may be the second biggest event for retailers after Christmas. They reckon we're going to spend £310 million this year on Halloween. Who's, who's spending money? That's actually more... Six times the amount that you spend for bonfire night. Only because every year we get the, uh, the, the nosy curtain twitchers going, don't buy fireworks, they're dangerous. You know, only in the hands of stupid people. You know, in the hands of intelligent people, they're all right. They say, don't buy fire, go to an organised display. I don't want to go to an organised display, I want my own. I want my own, it's as simple as that. Oh dear, honestly, what's the matter with people nowadays? Can't seem to do anything, can we? You know, you can't do this, can't do that, can't step up ladders, can't, can't sort of climb off a building, you can't, you can't do anything. All these do-gooders behind us are going, oh, you should be doing this, shouldn't you? I will tell you about the oldest jigsaw in the world. It's, it's a little bit older than you imagine it is. In fact, it could be a few, about a few million years old. We're not too sure. But somebody dropped it, and they've had to put it back together again. So they've glued it, which is quite nice. Uh, the Real Housewives of Cheshire are back. My God, I've never seen so many unattractive people on one show. Seriously. I mean, they have abused their position, ladies and gentlemen. Poor old Cheshire. You go up the country, you get dumb, dumb, then you get to Cheshire, dumber. And it's as bad as it gets. News at six is on the way very fast. Off the road, the UK's worst driver has lost his licence. Wait for this for the 61st time. How on earth did this idiot ever get anywhere near a car? Kim Kardashian is suing a celebrity gossip site over claims she faked the break-in. I mean, it'd be a fantastic story if it was true. What a great story that would be. The whole thing was fake from start to finish. They were all in on it. That'd be so funny. I don't think she's that bright. Uh, Richard says there's no point in bidding. Uh, When is an 89 pence brick worth 121 quid? Answer, when it's part of a London... House. Robbie Savage breaching BBC rules and the selective memory of Shami Chakrabarti. It gets worse and worse. She just digs holes and then throws herself in them. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 13th of October. You do realise, people have pointed out, the trip to Mars is only one way. I've just found a place where we can put all these clowns. What a brilliant idea. Let's just leave them up there. So, you know, we're just going to open the door, push you out. There's no atmosphere. Oh, shame. Well, there you go. And uh, never, never to be heard of ever again, because the police arrested somebody the other day again. Again, this time driving near Heathrow Airport with a fake gun. They were very lucky, very, very lucky, that the armed police up there didn't open fire. How are you supposed to know what's a, what's a genuine gun or what's a fake gun? I wouldn't want to risk it, would you? I shouldn't know how much the police did. They were very lucky. He's been arrested, and I'm still waiting to find out what's happened to the one from Brunel University. He should have been dropped immediately. Nothing worse than an idiot. This, one, this is the one who went out there with a chainsaw, if you please, and a silly clown mask. I mean, exposed himself as the biggest buffoon of all time. Uh, Steve's uh, off to Oxfordshire from Portsmouth. That's a drive and a half. Mind you, with DAB Radio. 
you can listen to this programme all the way through, which is uh, which is great. And um, a lot of people pointing out about these uh, fivers which go. Uh, Stuart tells me that Euro Millions is two fifty a go in Ireland. That's Euro two fifty a go. Two numbers wins four euros. I wish I wish it was the same here. I've just had a thing through saying congratulations last night. It's uh, you know, I've got a lucky dip. Oh, I can barely contain the excitement. Meanwhile, somebody in Belgium is spending my money. Not to make a big deal about it. Nothing like that. Not that I'm bitter in any way, shape, or form, ladies and gentlemen. We like to we like to sort of wish people who win the Euro Millions well. Except if they're in Belgium, in which case we don't like them at all. Uh, Janda says, imagine landing on Mars and coming across a Banksy. Yeah, Doreen says, still using the eye wrinkle cream. I have put it on a few times, actually. I haven't put it on this morning. This is this perfect eyes, which you remember the, the Daily Mail had taken issue with it. And then they, they checked it out and they said, no, it does actually do what it says. It's, it's about 30 quid, though, but it's only temporary. It's not. Uh, it's for those people who are too mean to afford a facelift. And to be honest with you, anything that involves the eyes, I'm always slightly worried about. When I've heard of people having Botox in their eyes, well, not actually in the eye, but it's sort of, it's in the skin underneath. You're putting in a poison around it. Say it goes wrong and you go blind. I wouldn't want to, uh, I wouldn't want to risk that at all. I really wouldn't. It would, uh, so, I mean, you know, when you say recommended, I've got a bathroom full of, of labour-saving devices to stop the ageing process. And let me tell you, there's not one of them that I think, I mean, I've bought a really expensive cream before now. I've spent £100 on a pot of cream. It's very well known. And I tried it for a few times, and it's very nice. But I didn't notice any difference. I was using it for six months, and I, I kept saying to people, have you noticed any difference? Because if you see somebody on a daily basis, the chances are that they won't notice any difference at all. And I felt a bit, a little bit cheated, you know, having spent that. In fact, I actually ended up buying two pots of this cream. Two pots of it. Uh, Naomi says, I booked a local cab company to take me to a hospital. I was feeling somewhat worried. When he pulled up outside, I asked him, should I get in the front or the back? And he said, as far as I care, you can get in the boot. <laughs> Perhaps he was being funny. Perhaps he was being funny. I don't know. I don't, I've, never, I've never thought about that one, actually. <laughs> 84850, uh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, more on... I'll, I'll do the whole front pages of the papers a little bit uh, later, just after half past, so you know exactly what's going on. Because there are some stories in there which are going to have you absolutely going, oh, my goodness me, you're joking. I mean, I, I did like the one about the jigsaw. I did like the one about the jigsaw. I do like stories about Bake Off, but I don't understand anything about it. I, really, I mean, I have seen it. I know what it is. But, I mean, some of these people uh, can actually cook and bake, and some of these people can't do anything at all. It's a bit like the people on The Apprentice. You know, you listen to the rubbish that they come up with, and you know, just by hearing it, you know that they're, they're fraudulent. You know that they're just pretending that that's what you know, you're supposed to say if you're in business, and that's why they're all failures. And then once they get kicked out, they then have to go to the press and go, well, of course, you know, I was only kicked out, as the first woman did. I was only kicked out because he uh, he understood exactly where I was coming from. I was a born leader. No, you were nothing of the kind. Nothing of the kind. Uh, the, uh, the killer clown craze grows. It's causing a lot of problems for the police, but they will, I promise you... Um, they will, they will prosecute. They are going to put people through the court system. And it's only merely time before somebody is, uh, is put in prison for it. Or worse still, somebody actually dies. Uh, I saw Lily Allen's interview and documentary. Uh, full of native, sort of naive, middle-class, Middle England, sanctimonious claptrap from people having a clue about the real world, says Anne. A load of old twaddle it was. A load of old twaddle. It gives them publicity, doesn't it? And also she can probably plug her album at the same time. Uh, there's also moths. 
Now, I tried to talk about moths on the programme the other day uh, because they say a plague of moths is on the way. Now, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I'm not particularly fussed about moths either way. My wardrobe doors are closed all the time, and I don't think they'd be interested because I think they only eat wool, don't they? I don't think moths appear to eat anything else. But your favourite jumpers, they say, could be under threat. I suggest this is for people in the country. I don't suspect that this is for people in town. I've, I don't think I've ever seen any moths around my way. I don't think so, anyway. Uh, moths, love, moths love dirty clothing. So, in other words, if it's covered in sweat, food particles or oils, to kill off the, the larvae, clothes have to be washed in a temperature above 48 degrees to guarantee they're all gone. It's wise to get things professionally dry clean. I, don't, I normally do that. If I've got a jumper, and I don't tend to have that many jumpers, but if I've got a Christmas jumper, which I quite like, and um, quite a few people around this building enjoy their uh, their Christmas jumpers. But uh, but the, the, it's just one type of moth. This isn't lots and lots of moths. Uh, this is the clothes moth. It does have a Latin name, but I'm not going to bore you with it today because it's not going to make any difference. Despite having wings, they typically prefer to scuttle around and some may die having never flown. But the things that you can do, you can get mothballs and uh, they're sort of chemicals that repel moths. There are natural alternatives here. The oils released by cedarwood kill the larvae. Uh, wrap up well. They can't get through very tight spaces. Storing clothes in sealable plastic. But God, they make it sound like an epidemic. It's like batting down the hatches. The moths are trying to get in. They've, they've come in the letterbox. No! They're walking up the floor. Good grief. You can call in professionals, you know. If you can't manage to get rid of your, your epidemic of moths, you can call in professional people and they will carry out fumigation. There are pheromone traps, as I knew I wouldn't say that, pheromone traps which use chemicals normally released by female moths to attract males and uh, they're then caught on sticky paper. But I think that's a horrible ending, don't you? Imagine if you're a, you're a moth and you go, la, 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 oh, pheromones, wander in there. And then all of a sudden you go, hey, wait a minute, my legs are not moving because you're stuck on ticky-tacky, ticky-tacky. Got a nice pub for you for sale this morning. Have you got a little bit of money lying around? Uh, it's one and a half million. It's a lovely pub. It's the Green Dragon Inn in North Yorkshire. It's 13th century. That's 1,200 and something. And uh, it's got 15 acres of... Good God, it sounds wonderful. 15 acres of parkland, a visitor centre, a campsite, and Hardraw Force, which is England's highest single-drop waterfall. Sounds an absolute bargain. One and a half million. One and a half million pounds. The pub was bought by Mark Thompson... Uh, who spent 375000 on it. Uh, he's restored it to its former glory. When he took it over, there were holes in the roof. When it rained, water poured down the walls. But now it offers food and accommodation in this restored 19th century cottage next door, complete with a parlour floor lined with gravestones. Uh, Mr Thompson is very successful. He's run four Dales pubs since 1979. He said, you need youth in a place this big. And I thought ten years ago I'd be carried out in a box, but you have to take a pragmatic view. He's got a turnover of around 500,000 a year. But he says, with the right operator, you could double that. It's only one, one and a half million. I looked at a house the other day, obviously not to buy. I would have bought it had I won the lottery, but sadly it was somebody in Belgium. I don't want to make a big deal about it. But And this was 16 million, this house. And this comes with... Acres, 15 acres of parkland. He says, um, I'd like someone who doesn't fit in with the flow, an eccentric. There's history, music, literature, nature. And of course, it also has that, uh, the hard draw force waterfall. Kevin Cosner bathed in that in the film Robin Hood. 
Prince of Thieves. So one and a half million. That is a steal. That is an absolute bargain for somebody somewhere. Oh, look, good news. Good news. She's moving. We're getting rid of her. Finally, Desperado Chloe Maidley is going off with her boyfriend, who tries to wear suits, but is not very good. Anyway, she's, uh, she's going to enjoy life in her new home in the Midlands. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. She's finally gone. Good. It took long enough, didn't it? But we finally got there. Uh, why did Will leave Strictly? Every newspaper's done this. He'll be revelling in the publicity. But in fact, that's not the answer, is it? Because he shouldn't, um, he shouldn't have clashed with Len Goodman. You're quite clearly, I'm sure his memoirs began. And of course, there was one person way back in 2016 who was a little bit petulant, a little bit, um, a little bit full of his own self-importance. Just never very good. Uh, right. Um, da, 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 da. A friend of mine posted on Facebook a bottle of Buxton and a Mars bar and says they found water on Mars. Lovely. Uh, sorry to be picky, but there is an atmosphere on Mars, though it's unbreathable. Well, you're not exactly going to be sort of, you know, enjoying life on there very long, are you? So when David Bowie sang about, is there life on Mars? Yeah, No, there isn't. OK, simple as that. It's like, you know, do doggies go to heaven? No, they don't. OK. Any more myths you want dispelling this morning? Are they cruel in Spain? Read the bulls? Yes, they are. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> so funny. So I'm just, I'm laughing, actually. I'm only laughing because we have screens in the studio. And, of course, it's Eamon Holmes' uh, last day. I don't know why I'm particularly bothered by it. I'm not particularly bothered. It's just interesting watching his sort of weight fluctuation and, and sort of increase over the, uh, over the years. And the hair that went sort of from sort of chocolate brown, a bit Nutella, to uh, to white, and and then he went uh, and then he went gay, grey. He then uh, sorry, he uh, and then sort of the at the moment it's a bit teased. Perhaps he puts product on or something like that. I always like I was always a huge fan of Eamon Holmes, but he he's apparently I've spoken to people in the business. His sense of humour is he he doesn't have a sense of humour when it comes to him. You know, he likes to be seen as, you know, ha, 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 jovial sort of person. But uh, in fact, really, if it's anything that's sort of criticising him, he doesn't like it at all. He doesn't take it. He's a bit Will Young. He's a bit Will Young. But I always liked him. I, was, I used to big him up on the programme all the time. And then people get sort of a bit too carried away with themselves. And you see it all the time, don't you? Somebody starts off and they go quite nicely and then they give them something else to do. And then you go, oh, God, how dull and boring. You've been talking about Strictly, says Steve. I've never heard you mention Zoe Ball. Why would I? I've seen the, uh, the programme she does. She's, uh, what do you think of every presenter? I don't know, I'm not booking her. I can't comment on other presenters. What do you think I am? Somebody with an opinion? What do you think this is? BBC Local Radio or something? Good heavens above, you must be mad. It's only BBC Local Radio that has an opinion. The opinion is it should be closed down as quick as possible and sort of save us from all these third-rate programmes. No, she's fine. She's OK. She was always very good as a child. I bumped into her at the BBC years and years ago. I was going to see a friend of mine and I saw her. She was perfectly pleasant, perfectly nice. She's very acceptable. Don't have any problem with her as a presenter. I don't have any problem with anybody as a presenter. Even Eamon Holmes, surprisingly. I don't have any problem with that. Well, Colleen Nolan, maybe. Janet Street Porter. Oh, dear. A few others, aren't there? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few people. Anything that's got Katie Price in is doomed to failure. Anything with Jodie Marsh in, doomed to failure. Anything that's got any reality show people, doomed to failure. Anything with Rylan in, doomed to failure. So, you know, everybody, but everybody's got that. You know, you'd have to be a, a pretty peculiar person if you liked everything. You know, somebody will write to me and go, is there anybody you like? And I always go, well, I don't like you to start with. You know, that always makes me feel a lot better about life. But it's interesting, isn't it? Why do, you know, everybody's got exactly the same views on people. Everybody says exactly the same things. Uh, Steve, massive estate in Dunstable. Goes for two and a half million, just 29 miles from London. I like the other one better. Million and a half and you get a pub and a restaurant and it's turning over. 
500,000. But they say with a little bit of a little bit of push, it could turn over a million a year. You're only paying a million and a half. Even if you kept it for yourself and just had the tourist attraction and a campsite. You don't have to have a pub that's got people in it, do you? I just have it for myself. I just have the bar stocked with Prosecco. And that would be it. I'll be, I'll be quite happy with that. Prosecco, sausages and batter. I'd love an industrial chip fryer. I don't eat chips very often. It's a, it's a once in a blue moon kind of thing. But on the odd occasion that I fancy chips, I, I do oven chips. I don't want to fry anything, so I do oven chips. And they come out just as well, actually. Um, Formula One. No, I haven't seen Chris this morning just yet. A little bit late. He'll be sort of preparing because we've both got interviews today. And it's... Um, it's going to be very interesting, very interesting. Very much looking forward to my in-conversation for today. So the uh, the Strictly War After the Singer walks, and um, uh, the BBC, uh, we can't discuss uh, individual contracts. Who is this person at the BBC? When they phone up the BBC, is it just some cleaner who picks up the phone and they go, have you got any comment on Will Young's contract? Oh, I couldn't possibly comment on uh, anybody's contracts. And then they put the phone down because they think, who is that? And every time it's the same cleaner who picks up, because these people are totally faceless. You know, what do you mean he can't contract or can't talk about his contract? He's done a story to every single paper. Done a story. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, 25 grand, you got him pretty cheap, didn't you? But there again, he's not doing anything at the moment. And um, he knew he wouldn't win the show. So? That's not the idea, is it? Oh, well, probably it is. Probably the idea is to win, isn't it? It's like, you know, having a radio programme. You want to make sure that yours is going to be the best radio programme, bar none. And so for him, perhaps he sees that as a failure. But I thought losing his record contract was a bit of a failure. And the reason that he didn't, because he's not selling records. He might still be out there as an artiste going out to do things. But you don't think, oh, we're going to be seeing Will Young in the charts anytime soon. And that's obviously because he's only young. But he's, he's got enough money to live very well. Because he broke the contract... He's left his partner, they say in the papers, I'm not sure whether you believe everything, uh, seething. But I should imagine she would be really fed up. I'd be pretty fed up as well. What do you mean? Why didn't you discuss this with me? Why didn't you tell people? No, I'll just send it by email. I like the idea as well of an easy peasy bike. This is, um, this is a motorbike that can't fall over. And it's based on the... In fact, it's so safe you don't need a helmet. I kind of wouldn't recommend that at all. I think you need a helmet on everything. Uh, it's an electric bike. It's called uh, the Motorrad Vision Next 100. It's made by BMW, incidentally, just so you can get a rough idea. Um, it means that turning the handlebar adjusts the entire <coughs> excuse me, body to change direction. High-tech glasses act as a rear mirror. And BMW say it's a vision bike to show what's possible. I like the idea it's not going to fall over. I suppose it's like one of those things you stand on. What are they called? You know that thing you stand on? It's got the two wheels and you sort of... It's like a sort of, an up, a, sort of a, a scooter kind of thing. But it's only got two big... A Segway. I always wanted one of those. But I remember, I'm old enough to remember, when they brought out these little cars, which were sort of electric or battery, whatever they were. And I think they were um, Sinclair C5s. And I remember seeing one in London traffic. I mean, God, you could fall under the wheels of a bicycle on these things. But they still sell. You can still buy them. They're about £200, I think. And and they sort of nearly took off. But I've never seen anybody on a Segway, because unless you've got private land, what on earth are you going to be doing? You've got nowhere to ride it. Far too dangerous to ride on the road, especially with, uh, with all these sort of potholes and everything else. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, But that was what I wanted. But there again, I never wanted a skateboard, but I did want a pair of roller skates. 
Also quite wanted a pogo stick, but I never got that either. Uh, somebody has pointed out, and of course you're absolutely right, with all these creams that claim to smooth out the wrinkles, one lady wrote to me and said, to be honest with you, years of using all these creams, my fingers should look like a ten-year-old's. Because you're putting it on your finger, aren't you, and rubbing it in, or just, especially underneath the eyes, you've got to be very careful because it's a little bit, uh, it's sensitive. That's where your skin is at its thinnest on the eyes. So, but, but you're right, if you keep putting it on your fingers... And then you're patting it underneath your eye. Why don't your fingers sort of... T- I don't know. I mean, I look at my hands. I don't know what sort of, what's an old hand and what isn't... Oh, dear, what's that? Uh, I don't know what's an old hand and what isn't an old hand. But you do see things, don't you? People have their hands bleached now. I don't know, what, I don't know why. I suppose it's a takeaway. Because that's the ageing process. You can tell by somebody's hand. You can tell by their neck. These are all these uh, sort of things. Oh, they've got loads of plaudits coming in for... Uh, for old uh, Eamon Holmes, all the footballers around the country. I wonder if we'll ever see him again. I wonder, I wonder if he will resurface as something, or if he's just sort of going to slowly retire and just sort of ease into an armchair and just eat cakes and, and biscuits. would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Uh, Rod Little talking about uh, Rod Stewart. This is the ageing Lothario Rod Stewart, whose poor wife pitched up on Loose Women the other day because apparently now she's, she's Lady Penny. Lady Penny. Uh, which is fantastic, and they were milky. And, and Linda, uh, not Linda, uh, what's-her-face, uh, Colleen, wrote Lady on her mug. That's so intelligent. And um, they turned up at the palace. Uh, what poor Penny was wearing, I've got no idea. Upside-down lampshade, most people thought, with a, with a patterned frock that just looked ghastly. In fact, the outfit she was wearing and her hair looked much better on loose women. Uh, Rod was wearing his concierge outfit, looking like he was wearing the outfit that Sting wore in the film Quadrophenia. But... Um, it's wonderful here. They said here, good to see Rod Stewart chewing gum like a delinquent teenager when he was introduced to the Queen. Because he was chewing gum. One of the kids was chewing gum as well. He might at least have asked a flunky to look after his gum when her Madge hove into view, writes Rod Little, or shoved it under a vase or something, maybe given it to a corgi. Still, it's one honour I don't begrudge. Rod the Mod was very good once even if the opening line of his best song has always seemed to me a bit rude. Wake up, Maggie. I think I've got something to say to you. Shouldn't you be absolutely sure you've got something to say if you're going to wake somebody up? Yeah, wake up, Maggie. I think... You've woken me up for what? I think I've got something to say to you. Why don't you do one? Wake up, Maggie. So that was it. But mind you, I mean, now all all he does now, the poor old soul, he's 71, and he just does covers. He might as well be like Robbie Williams and sing Fly Me to the Moon. Or failing that, he might be like Matt Goss and just do, do an entire act all full of covers, including that wonderful song by the Eagles called Hotel California. Actually, talking of people singing, I was watching X Factor, Calabro, who won it. And at one point they came on, bearing in mind there were four of them, five of them. Four? One, two, might be five, I can't remember. Anyway, they were so overproduced. When they sang their song, it sounded like there was a complete choir singing for them. They were multi-tracked so many times. It was painfully obvious that they were doomed to disaster. One member left, their contract was cancelled, and Calabro are no more. I was hoping they were going to go a bit longer, but uh, one bloke couldn't bear to be with them, so he sort of left. All a bit disappointing. But that's the music business for you, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So looking forward to talking to Ron Howard uh, this morning. In fact, he's going to be in the building very early because he's doing my friend Mr M. And uh, then he's coming in to talk to me as well for In Conversation, which will run this week about the new film Inferno. Third one he's done. 
third one he's actually done. So uh, looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to meeting him. Actually, you know, you sort of you think, oh, I wonder what he's really like. You know, because that's that's the advantage that I get. I get to meet these people close up, which is very nice indeed. 25 minutes to seven, very nearly, give or take 30 seconds. Not going to make any difference. I mentioned earlier on about the Charles Dickens theme park, which closed uh, yesterday after years of hard times. That's a play on Charles Dickens. You have to keep up on this programme. Dickens World in Chatham opened under a a decade ago with uh, great expectations, a boat ride and Fagin's Den play area. It's been taken over after going into administration, but visitors yesterday found it locked up. Uh, the bar and the theatre are still said to be open, but the staff were in tears the other day. It must be if you've had, you know, something for ten years, and uh, you would think, perhaps not enough people knew about it. Perhaps not enough people were aware of it. I was aware of it, but I never actually got down to it, mainly because I've never actually ventured as far as Chatham. In fact, I just know it's in Kent. I'm not too sure how far away it is. But uh, I'm sure it's probably close enough to actually uh, to actually get through. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We'll do the front pages of the papers now with you till uh, seven. Um, apparently, when Will Young quit Strictly, he sang to the other contestants. Yeah, we, we've done the gags, Alan. You need to be at this programme at four in the morning. That's when people are at their brightest. Towards the end of it, I realise people are sort of trying to get themselves uh, ready to go to work. Um, who was the woman who was drummed out of the brownies? Me, I think, Nicola. That's an old, uh, it's an old line, isn't it, from... I can't remember where, where it came from, actually. And, uh, and Chris says, me and mum, Lois, 90, went to a 60s gold show in Cardiff. Wayne Fontana, PJ Proby, Gary Puckett, the Tremolos and the Searchers. Yes. Um, I think if I Noreen went to that one as well. Well, she's, uh, well, it tours around the country, these shows do. And Gary says, I watched The Apprentice last week and I won't again, but Oliver on it is a double of Tim Nice, but dim. You must have a look. <laughs> yes, I have seen the programme, but the trouble is they're all just fakes, aren't they? They're just people desperate, desperate, desperate to uh, to be on the television and to try and flog the fact that they are fake. Because I don't think I've heard anything that's believable uh, from any of them, from any of them at all. The only thing you can believe is uh, is the radio, and that's why we're here. So let's run through the front pages of the papers and let's find out what they're talking about. Uh, you know it's going to be the follow-on from yesterday with Will Young. That makes a lot of the papers. Uh, the bullfighting in the 4 by 4s the uh, Mirror do this. And it's just, they call it the killing field. And what it is, bulls that are let loose, people in their cars uh, drive at them, the bulls run, cars run alongside them, people throw rocks at them. I don't, I don't quite understand it. You really want to take these people and bang their silly heads together and say, what do you think you're doing? You know, I tell you what, why don't you just put pussycats on there as well and sort of just shoot them? With air rifles. Wouldn't that make it marginally more entertaining? It's in Spain. It's very barbaric. It's very unnecessary. And it's something that has been going on for ages. There is a video. Uh, I don't think you want to watch it, to be honest with you. Um, they say here, Downton Abbey star Peter Egan, an avid animal welfare campaigner, says it's quite shocking and disgusting. People have this idea that the crueler you are, the more macho you are. But you look at the Neanderthals who are doing it, and you think this is, this is intelligent, do you? I want to go round there and blow their cars up. I don't think people should be allowed out in the real world at all. It's just disgusting. And at the end, as opposed to saying, oh, right, we've had a bit of fun with you, they then kill it. It's a bit like bullfighting, isn't it? I mean, that's equally barbaric. And so they chase this poor thing. PETA have won a number of campaigns urging travel companies such as Thomas Cook to stop promoting bullfighting events in the holiday packages. They're not, are they? Still bullfighting in Spain. Barbaric. Barbaric. Perverts. That's all it is. Absolutely dreadful. Emmerdale's Lair. 
who's talking about her uh, cancer. She's going to go to, I think it's Germany, the, the treatment. They've already said to her here, there isn't anything else we can do. And because if you've been told you've got something terminal, I'm just objecting. The only thing I'm objecting to is sort of the fact that there are loads of other people who aren't privileged enough to be famous who aren't privileged enough to be able to say, listen, would you like to help me get some of this treatment? It's £50,000. But no, give it to somebody who's been on the television, probably earning a small fortune as an actress. And immediately we go, oh, we know who that is. Give her £50,000. And I'm thinking, don't they have £50,000? I pointed out on the programme the other day, they, they could actually probably remortgage their house for 50 grand. And would, would you not do that? Why would you rely on other people? All these other people out there, people who are losing children and, you know, mothers and fathers and grandsons and granddaughters and all sorts of things like that. They don't have the luxury of saying, oh, you know, would you like to give to me because I need £50,000 for this treatment? 2,000 people gave, so obviously they know who she is because she was on the television. But I just think about all the other people who don't get that luxury. They, they get nothing at all. They, 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 nobody's going to put them on television because they're not famous. It's only if you're famous you can go on television or infamous. That's about as far as it goes. Uh, why Dele fancies a ruby? I don't know who this is, actually. It's a picture of somebody on the front page, and I think it's... Is it Dele Alley's girlfriend? Dele Alley. His girlfriend is called Ruby May. Ruby May is a lingerie model, so for that reason, she's way down the... Uh, you know, she's a lingerie model. That's like being sort of uh, nude, isn't it? It's roughly the same kind of thing. You know, not, not glamorous enough to do catwalk, because they're generally about three foot tall. And she just gets her, her boobs out and things like that. And so he obviously likes her. Imagine, what does it say on your passport, dear? Lingerie model. Oh, lovely. Class. Very exciting. Um, and so that's in there. The the story in inside the paper and on the front page of The Sun this morning is Silly Savage. Robbie raking it in. Yes, Savage in BBC betting storm. This is Robbie Savage. Top pundit, although to be honest with you, not that much cop on it. But um, he's promoting gambling on football on the same day that he's giving views on games which is against the BBC thing. Why has nobody stopped him? Uh, nobody's been available for, uh, for sort of comment at all. Uh, he became a host of 606. He's refused to comment. But um, th- this is illegal. This is according to the BBC's own sort of contracts. So why is it? When you look at all the, uh, the tweets and everything else that they've sent out, um, they, they've actually got Robbie Savage's predictions. He's on another radio station. I mean, this, this should be stopped immediately. Everybody else was stopped. Why has he not been stopped betting plugs as he works for the BBC? That's as bad as taking backhanders on programmes, isn't it? To promote certain products. Not very good at all. Uh, strictly at war with Will. Yes, he's got his, uh, his objective. He's got his publicity. Now, enough already. OK, enough already. Let's kind of leave it to one side. You know, he walks out. He only gets £5,000, which, to be honest with you, isn't bad for doing, uh, you know couple of weeks' work or whatever it happens to be. But he's lost £20,000. Um, he's the only person, who, as the son points out, whose family have never been to see him dancing. Perhaps he doesn't talk to the family anymore. He's got a Shetland pony. He lives in Cornwall. Seems a bit of a trek, doesn't it, really? Uh, he doesn't have a partner because he's not very good at relationships. He doesn't trust anybody. And um, he's had huge highs and huge lows, as indeed has everybody in their life as well. I don't know anybody who's actually been through life being permanently happy. People actually sort of go very happy, and then he misses the limelight when he was papped, and, and nobody's interested. They go, oh, that's Will Young. When was the last time he released a decent record? And people are saying, well, actually, he's got a hardcore of fans. No, he's forgotten about you. He doesn't care about you. He only wants to talk about himself. 
which is a shame because I thought he would have said nice things about the fans for supporting him. That's that's what I would have hoped in my heart of hearts. Uh, front page of the Daily Star, Lily Allen apologises to migrants on behalf of the UK. I've got no idea why, dear. You're not speaking on behalf of 99.9% of the country. They're not interested. You don't need to apologise. If I want to apologise, I'll do it myself. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Kim Sue's on Gems Raid Lies. There is a website in America... I believe, which suggested that Kim Kardashian hilariously staged her own robbery. I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't actually credit her with having enough brain capacity to do anything like that. Uh, Princess um, Kate's parents have been blasted for selling sick roadkill Halloween costumes for young children. It's a, it's a bunny rabbit costume with a tyre mark across the middle of it. And, uh, no. and, that's, uh, and that's about as good as it gets. They obviously think that's hilarious. In the Middleton house. Ha, 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 You see, roadkill. Greatly fun, greatly fun. Children love it. Absolutely love it. Can't imagine who's going to be buying the blooming thing. Uh, Simon Cowell wants to bring back his panned ITV cookery show, Food Glorious Food. It was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And here we go. Mel C. Says she suffered from depression in the 90s. Good God, I need to be regressed. I need to find out what's going on. This, this could explain all sorts of... Perhaps we should all be regressed nowadays. Uh, Kim wants big gossip site payout. That's all she does, isn't it, really? A little, uh, little bit dreary. Poor old Kim Kardashian. And, um, and she's already taken selfies and everything else. She seems to have kind of got over it a little bit. But the very idea that she might have staged it herself is it's almost hilarious and very funny. But it is a gossip site. So for gossip read, it doesn't have to be true. It could just be sort of somebody poking fun at her because she is somebody you want to poke, isn't she? Fury, according to the Daily Express, a star Lily Allen, or oh, I think the star faded ever since she was picked up drunk at a couple of festivals, swigging back the booze. Very embarrassing, really. So she's now said sorry to migrants. Lily Allen is promoting an album, ladies and gentlemen, very shortly. So best to get your fizzog back in the paper again. And she's apologised to, uh, to one person. I don't know why. She seems to think she's speaking on behalf of, uh, of the United Kingdom. I don't think she's speaking on behalf of anybody apart from herself. Armed police in the killer clown swoop. Nick Ferrari was doing this yesterday, and uh, we found another one today. This one, driving near Heathrow Airport, if you please, with a pretend gun. Well, as I can't tell a fake gun from a real gun, I wouldn't be risking anything. They also found a clown's mask in the car as well. I mean, you know, there are dumb people... And then there are really dumb people. There's a couple of people in the papers today who've been attacked by clowns. One guy thinks he won't be to use his fingers again. There's the one from Brunel University in Uxbridge who had somebody going around with a chainsaw. Obviously somebody who's very, very dim and obviously perhaps has the mental ability of a cabbage. The plot to betray EU exit voters and um, Dark Winter by Andy McNabb. You can get it for a quid. W.H. Smith's. The Bake Off judge, Paul, goes sweet on the show's favourite Candice. As I say, I couldn't care less either way. I think some of the cakes are very nice. Some of the things they do are very nice, but frankly, it leaves me cold. I know that the rest of the country find it absolutely riveting, and I'm out on a limb, but uh, for once, I don't mind. I love Mary Berry. I quite like Paul Hollywood, but that's about it. Uh, the real Joey's off to uh, New York for the weekend. I take... Um, I take um, Jumpers. I think it's going to be a bit chilly, actually, and a bit wet today, so I brought my umbrella. But you bet your bottom dollar, by the time I finish doing my interview with, uh, with Ron, it's going to be bone dry outside and brilliant sunshine, and I'm going to look very, very silly. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Slightly disappointed to discover that Ron Howard, who uh, has, a, has a Twitter site as well, has got 1.4 million people following. Not a happy person. Not a happy person. I don't have 1.4 million. Actually, I'm not as successful as he is. Uh, somebody says, I, th- I think you must be showing your age. 
Uh, we haven't had job titles on passports for 20 years. This is Mark, a poor soul's in Milton Keynes, but somebody's got to go there. It's like being sent to Coventry nowadays. Obviously, irony lost on you, Mark. It was a gag. I'm sorry you didn't get it. That's a, mind you, are in Milton Keynes, so you know what they say when you go to Milton Keynes? Just might as well get one of those humour bypasses, which obviously has, uh, has, uh, has hit you today. Jim says, Robbie Savage, a tipster. Last tip I heard him give was that a match would be a nil-nil draw. West Ham won 4-3. Couldn't tip a dustbin. Yes, I, I have heard from a lot of a lot of people actually that he's not particularly good at tipping anything at all. And um, and Jill says for the first time I went to the theatre in Chatham recently. It's a really lovely. Nothing I like better than being in an old theatre. Yes, I have to be honest. I do like. I'm I'm also uh, strangely drawn to old theatres as well, which I love. Front page of the Daily Mail. Why did Will Young walk out on Strictly? Who gives a forex? Who cares? Who cares? I can really. I've got better things to worry about in life. Uh, Theresa says, I'm siding with Britons who voted for Brexit. Backlash, as Lily tells Migrant, I apologise on behalf of Britain. Why do these sort of popsicle stars think that we're any interested in their pronouncements? As if she's sort of got anything to actually contribute to anything at all. She goes over there, we know she's got an album, uh, an album to promote, so perhaps, they sort of, perhaps she gave him a copy there. That'd be a great photo opportunity, wouldn't it? Here is your free album for agreeing to... Um, to sort of be uh, be with me for the photo opportunity. Steve, do we need to stock up on Marmite in case it becomes a collector's item? Ian, as you and I know, if you bought a jar of Marmite now, you'd still be sitting with it in the cupboard in the year 2018. It's the only thing that just keeps going on and on and on. I've had a jar in my cupboard for so long, I did have some Marmite ages ago. But it's now superglued itself. I'll need to get the hairdryer out. Yes, I've got a hairdryer. And apparently... Uh, Ian says, Shami tells us, Shami Chakrabarti, she lives in a big house and eats nice food, don't you know? God bless you, ma'am. Yes, she really is. She really is the hypocrite of all hypocrites. Uh, looking forward to hearing Ron Howard in Con, American Graffiti, a classic 1950s film, says Neil. Uh, he's done so much. When you th- I mean, he really has done so much. I'm going to be quite awed by him, but I like meeting Hollywood people. I'm, I'm as fascinated by meeting them as they are fascinated by meeting me. Uh, the Cold War warning for the eye as Russia hits back at Britain. Moscow condemns Boris Johnson's call for protests over Syria. The former MI6 boss who warns that the UK is facing a dangerous new world order. And fury at Corbyn after call for demonstrations outside the American embassy. They're all calling on us to do something, aren't they? I'd like to make up my own mind. I think I'm fairly good at things like that. What's this one here? This is a nice one. Is it? Good God, I thought it was a model. It's not. I thought it was something they dug up from the rubble. It's a, a Syrian boy found alive in uh, the Fardus district of Aleppo. Seriously, I looked at it. I thought, that's interesting. They've got a statue. But no, it's a, it's a child who only looks about five or six years old who's been found alive. Tesco, front page of the Times, uh, dropping Marmite in the pricing row. And, uh, and inside, how posh are you? This would be a bit embarrassing, wouldn't it, for poor old Victoria Beckham, who turns out not to be posh at all. I mean, she really isn't posh. Her father was an electrician. There was nothing posh about Victoria Beckham. It was just the names they gave them. Sporty, posh, baby, etc. Uh, ginger. I can't remember what the other one was, actually. There must be something scary, I think. That kind of applied to uh, quite a few people. Uh, also... The ministers who hide the report on the migrant numbers, foreign student figures out by tens of thousands. That's what people do now. I see them on these programmes where they go and check people in at the airport and they go and you, you, you're confronted by somebody who looks about 40 and they go, and what are you here for? Um, I'm a student. I'm going to, to college here. And of course, we've had all these fake colleges set up. So it gets people into the country, then they disappear. And then when eventually we sort of find them, they get people in there. 
and uh, and you sort of think, well, you know, these people shouldn't have got in the first place. And so they suddenly realised that all these people who claimed they were students actually uh, weren't, weren't students at all. Uh, Neil's come up with the wake up Lorraine. I think I've got something to say to you. Then again, I like living. He says, so perhaps I won't. It is odd, isn't it? When you, I love it when somebody points something out that's glaringly obvious. We've sung, you know, wake up, Maggie. I think I've got something to say to you until you put it in context. And realize, well, somebody's in a nice deep sleep and they're going to go, wake up, wake up. What? I think I've got something to say to you. What do you mean you think you've got something to say to me? Go away. I'll call your mother. Uh, you were talking about food yesterday, but I was too late to get an email. Get a lovely slice of buttered toast, avocado on top and then a poached egg says Jackie. Actually, uh, avocado, very nice on toast. It's very in. A lot of people do that. You'll probably be finding sort of restaurant places doing it. Um, because I, I love avocado. It's, it's good fats. You can have avocado. And on hot, after we did our hot buttered toast routine yesterday, we all decided that the one thing we wanted to go into was eat a cooked breakfast. I realise if you're sitting in a traffic jam at the moment going, shut up about the food, will you? I think in future... If you're going to follow this this programme and we're here Monday through Friday between four and seven, it sort of starts as early breakfast and finishes at like, you know, just about ready to go and devour sausages and mashed potato and all kinds of strange, wonderful things. Then uh, you need to take food with you. So if I start talking about food and you start getting a case of the munchies, if you've got some cheese and pickle sandwiches with you, then life is going to be a lot easier. And always, always, always remember to have a bottle of water. It's the only thing you can ever you can ever do, isn't it? You can just take a bottle of water with you. And it sort of gets you through all sorts of things, especially when you're actually on the train and you're sitting there thinking, oh, God, it's so packed. You have to squeeze past people. Excuse me, elbow in the... Get out the blooming way. Weather for today, mainly cloudy, scattered morning showers. Whoopee. Cool easterly breeze. Uh, Today, sunny spells, scattered morning showers, especially near the coast. I don't think that really applies to us, does it? Unless you include the Thames. Uh, mainly dry with occasional sunny spells for the afternoon. Brisk or strong easterly wind. Maximum temperature today, 13 degrees. 13 de- That's not very hot, is it? 13 degrees, which is 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, tonight, largely cloudy, occasional showers. Mainly after midnight, the strong east to southeasterly wind persisting along the coast. They're becoming lighter inland. Sounds a bit exotic, doesn't it? Overnight, the temperature, 10 degrees centimetre. Who cares? To be honest with you, come on, who, who cares? Because tomorrow's Friday. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's the weekend. I love the weekend. I, I don't live for the weekend because I, I have sort of a, a bit of a sort of juxtaposition with it because, you know, I sort of get a day to tomorrow and then I get all day Saturday and then Sunday I come to work and then I sort of get the time off after that. So it's good. Good. Can't complain, can we? Let's face it. Uh, the Daily Telegraph, the Brexit price route over Marmite. This is the Tesco story I told you. This concerns Unilever. Also the NHS facing a crisis as elderly patients overwhelm hospitals and um, a lone voice Dan Harper standing outside the Russian embassy all by him is lonesome nobody else is there he's all by himself uh, with a little a little sign saying Russia stop bombing Syrian civilians Jinky turned up on the train with that porter he's wearing pink trousers never trust a man standing outside the Russian embassy with pink trousers unless they're called Putin. Uh, So anger at Corbyn claimed that the Americas uh, uh, are as bad as Russia I don't know, we're going to be all by ourselves. Very we'll have to draw up the drawbridge, won't we? We'll just sort of take up the drawbridge. and say, That's it. Nobody else is coming in. We've had enough of it. Financial Times this morning. Uh, the weakened pound hit record depths. As I say, now, if you, if you win the lottery, the lowest price, it's actually you get less money than you spend on the ticket. So that's not good news, is it? Uh, the Ford injury. 
This is Harrison Ford in Star Wars The Force Awakens. The firm has been fined £1.6 million for an injury he sustained making the film. Reports of rape soar, but rate of conviction falls. Do you know, over five years, the annual number of claims doubles to 36,000. 36,000? I mean, you can't believe it, can you, really? But, uh, police and prosecutors believe that the rise in reported cases shows people are more willing to report sexual attacks in the aftermath of the Jimmy Savile sexual abuse scandal. And then what happened there? Have I, have I been out of the country or something? Have they sort of, have they stopped, pros- have, have they handed payouts to anybody? Are they sort of showing them? Or is it just the, uh, the rich lawyers and the solicitors and all the other people have just been taking their bit and there's nothing left? So in other words, you know, you don't get any money at all. Because contrary to public opinion, when it first started, if you remember... Uh, they were saying, oh, you know, Jimmy Savile's got millions, which, of course, he had, but it's been dwindled almost on a, an hourly basis. They actually get it. The pots got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until probably, you know, not much left in it for the people who might have a genuine claim. That's what they're doing, isn't it? They're finding out who's actually got genuine claims. Sadly, no more time. I didn't get round to the story of uh, the the phone ache. Uh, we did the wrong kind of graffiti on the trains, which I thought was quite a good, quite a good story. The selfie drive cars, I don't like the look. Seriously, I looked at it the other day. It looks like it's a blooming danger. I don't want to sit there in something that looks like you'd be run over by a bicycle. Uh, I didn't get round to the uh, to the story today of the Real Housewives of Cheshire. They've done a photo call, very unwise if you don't have any looks. And believe you me, they really don't have any looks. I mean, there's a couple of them, seriously. I don't know how they could ever thought that they would qualify as doing anything at all. But not as funny as the OK spread, where Peter Andrex shows you around his house with his gorgeous wife, Ems, who's pregnant, and she's learned to do little poses. I must ask my doctor if she could do the same kind of thing. And we never mentioned the UK's worst driver who lost his licence for the 61st time. All of that will no doubt resurface later on today on LBC. You can listen to us wherever you want, wherever you are. Download the LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10. It's James O'Brien. But right now, for breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.